Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Pixar Podcast. My name is Joe Moran and I'm here with Riv and Andrew Velez and this is now episode 102. In this episode we are going to recap the 2021 NBA Draft. We will pick winners, losers, and grade each pick made in the lottery and give our best undrafted players. We will also talk about the Pistons, Rockets, Cavs, Raptors, OKC, Orlando, and more. This is now episode 102 and... <clears throat> Right now, we are recording this on Tuesday. Free agency of the NBA has already started. There already have been some major moves, but because we haven't done a, a pre-draft show or a post-draft show yet, we are going to make this episode that draft show, and we will do a free agency show on Thursday. So we ha- we're going to have all the top moves covered. Don't worry about it. I know River's excited because Ch- Chicago... Had a pretty good free agency, right? Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan. It's the best you've had in years. Alex Caruso. Years. I'm glad we got our guy. That's the best signing. I'm glad. No. Who? Caruso. No, it's Lonzo. Oh. I'm glad we got Lonzo. We got our guy. Wait, what about DeMar? DeMar's good, but we needed a PG. You know what I'm saying? I've been craving for a legit point guard for like years. Okay. Okay. Your point guards have been terrible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We were starting St. Aransky for a little bit. Kobe White? He's not a point guard. So gotta gotta get that out your mind. He's Sorry, a, man. He's like a Lou Will, bro. A bad one. Off the bench, no bucket. I feel like every bench player is compared to Lou Will now. Every single one. That that's can score. That's ever. a volume score. Yeah. I mean, I can't call him Jamal. Emmanuel quickly is compared to Lou Will. They kind of do. Kobe like, White is compared to Lou Will. Just straight guards who really any are spark point plugs off the bench are is automatic. Jordan Clarkson I feel, like, well. I feel like no any point guard that's not really a point guard they're really focusing on scoring of the bench. and that's a bench score. Yeah, mm-hmm. is compared to Lou Will because I'm not going to call him Jamal. Hell no, man. Jamal had too much of a bag. Won't call him Manu. No, straight Lou Will. So if you're listening to this right now, if you guys would like to rate and review our podcast on up a podcast so we can get up there in the algorithm, I ch- actually looked at the charts and we were ranked in Japan. Ooh, wow. For that far? I think, yeah. It's on the other side of the <laughs> world. It's tough to be ranked man. in the United States, though. Where, where are we ranked in, the in Japan? States. Not ranked in the United States. Where hmm? are we ranked? 100? I don't even know. I didn't even like see the number, but we were ranked at, in Japan for like a short while. And what? I think in this other country as well. What is it like? It's like Slovenia? an African country. It was a country in Africa. Zambia. I forgot what it was. I think it was Ghana, but I could be wrong. I don't think it was Ghana. It's a lot of countries in Africa. Oh, that's super lit. Tough. That is Radio super lit. Japan. So, yeah, if you guys review our podcast, we go up in the algorithm. Hopefully we could get that U.S. ranking. For real. Also, we just had a new Patreon donation, $5 donation, which is super awesome. If you guys don't know about it, we have three tiers. We have the first tier, which is $3, and you can suggest topics or ask questions. The second tier is $5. You can suggest topics, and you get, like, discounts off. Merch we're going to drop. And our third tier is $15, and you get to have a guest spot on the show. It's really? give your take, yeah. That's pretty sick. Somebody's done that before. I didn't know that. Who was that? Jael Conrado. Okay. Yeah. Did he have a good appearance? Yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah, it was solid? Yeah. Cool. And I, I just gave out his government name. He's going to be so mad. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, because on the live stream, I gave out his government name, and he messaged me on Patreon like, bro, you just said my whole government. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we do the intro, you say Andrew Velez, so... At, that's at, true. At Your government point, is yeah. God, I've done nothing wrong. Except for Riv, nobody knows his government name. They know ours though. Yeah, but they don't know his. I'm cool with it. <laughs> they might if they remember you used to say my government. I had to stop you from doing that. What's wrong? 
Could you just can't be saying <laughs> stay so low key? That's nah, how you want to be. I could have feds, man. I could have. No, fair enough, man. Ops. I Ops feel could you. watch my yep. show. That's a fact. Before the show, we were thinking about ideas, and we had this idea in particular that we want to do this kind of really epic. We want to do this episodic series called Off the Pot. And what it's going to be is it's going to be a vlog on YouTube where we go do some really dope shit. Like go into a baseball game or a football game or maybe trying out some food. You mentioned the idea of, of mukbang. I'll give Riv the, the credit. It was definitely it Riv. Was Riv. We we're thinking about doing something like that and calling it off the pot and doing something episodic in that way where we just do vlogs and stuff. I think that would be really fun definitely. to build some off the pot chemistry. As well as create some content for you guys. We definitely have to go see like a Nets game or something. Uh, I could pass on that. Nets Lakers. If I never, ooh, okay. Nets okay. Lakers might be yeah, like three hundred dollars. That's gonna be expensive. Knicks is probably more though. Knicks is way more. Only that MSG is so expensive. Only game I ever saw LeBron play, he passed Kobe. So I don't know if I could go see him play again. You serious right now? Yeah, he passed Kobe, and then Kobe passed away the, the next day. And the Warriors. That I mean. Yeah. Have fun. Seeing Steph <laughs> is crazy. Yeah. Have you seen Steph? Or are you Bro, just are you, speaking in general? Are you dumb? Who wouldn't want to see Steph? In person. Me? You're lying. <laughs> in person, I haven't seen Steph. No, really? It's no. probably amazing. Probably. Come on, bro. Except when he goes like two for 15 because he's just Westbrook having one now. of those nights. You should really relax and stuff like that. But now we're going to get into the show. This is the NBA Draft Show. On Thursday, we will record another show, and it's going to be the free agency show. So let's get into it. NBA Draft winners each of us are going to give three teams that we feel won the nba draft and riv i want you to start with your first team i think we're all gonna have this team it's gonna be obvious the rockets clear as day they were winning the draft picking up jalen green josh christopher sangoon i think getting those guys was definitely key for their development christian wood is still there too so that's a good thing jason tate is there Kevin Porter Jr. is there? But I think they filled the needs that they needed. They needed some excitement into Houston. They needed some fun into Houston. They needed some scores out there. So I think Rockets is one of my teams. Another team is Charlotte. You know, and for James Bucknight, I'm sorry, was that one of your picks? Okay, it's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> for James Bucknight falling so low, I think that's what keeps them in the top three for me because I wasn't expecting that. And Terry Rozier being that he's 27 years old and he's getting paid a lot, I think James Bucknight having a more NBA size being more fit for the game today. I think he will fit seamlessly next to LaMelo Ball. And then getting a, a rim runner and a guy who is going to be in there catching oops from LaMelo with Kai Jones, I think that was great. He has high defensive upside. He's a guy who, you know, he he knows his role. He understands his role. He has a lot of upside. So I think Charlotte is definitely my number two. And then top my third team is the Warriors. You know, I think for the – what? What? Those are your three? You can't make it up. This guy's <laughs> unbelievable. God, I'll figure but it out. I'll for the Warriors out. being that Steph Curry is in win now mode, but I think, you know, picking guys who help them now and help for their future, I think is why I put them at the top because I think Kaminga, he has a top five ceiling in this draft and Moody can help today as of right now, but he's he can also be an all-star down the road depending based off Golden State's development. So I think that was great that they was able to get those two guys in Kaminga to fall at seven. So those would be my top three teams. You right. weren't so high on Shingun. Yeah, but I think they needed a guy like that, a post player like that, somebody like that. And I think Christian Wood can play on the perimeter for a big. So having somebody like that is good. Still I just, high, I just wanted it to be known. Of course you do. Because you don't like Shingun. I don't, don't say I don't like. I'm not high. It doesn't mean I don't like. Don't do that. 
It's the same thing. When Not we really. talk about draft prospects, like it's pretty much the same thing. I don't like Westbrook. That doesn't mean... He's bad. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. Don't I've like heard him. you say he's bad, but you're uh, not high on him on in L- on L. A. That doesn't mean I don't think he's a good player. But you don't like him. Yeah, I don't like him as a player. I don't like his play style. That's all, all right, whatever. Don't all try right. to make me paint this narrative that I'm a bad guy and not like that. Well, uh, Shingun, not liking Shingun, to me, you're a bad guy. Shingun <laughs> is a good player. Yeah, he's solid. So I'm not reiterating basically everything you said. I, new team. I have another team, Thank the you. Magic. I think the Magic definitely were winners in this draft. You get a guy in Jalen Suggs at five, especially when prior to this draft, everyone had him as a lock top four. Raptors surprise everyone goes Scotty Barnes at four, which we'll probably talk about later for sure. But you get Jalen Suggs, who has potential to be an all-star in this league, a guy that you could definitely build the team around. And then you go and you get Franz Franz Wagner with with your eighth pick. I like this specifically because they did what I expected them to do. Go best available and then best best fit with that eighth pick. Jalen Suggs was definitely best available at five, in my opinion. And then eight, Friends Wagner. I think that definitely fits what they were going for. I, I'm not a huge fan of, of Franz Wagner right now, but for what the Magic need, they need size. They need they need a, a body, really. Isaac, you really can't rely on right now, injury-wise. I understand that. When he's on the court, he's definitely an impact-type player, but you got a guy in Friends Wagner where... God forbid Jonathan Isaac goes down again. You can rely on Franz Wagner to get more minutes. And this is a team that's going to be big into development. And Jalen Suggs is going to be one of those guys that you can rely on right away. And then Franz Wagner is one of those guys that you're going to need to develop. But I love this. I think that they're winners because you get a guy in Jalen Suggs that immediately could impact this team. And he's just a good potential centerpiece for this franchise that needs one. I agree with that. I saw you making a face. Did you not like that pick? Orlando's draft? Oh no! Nah, I was um trying to be funny and make him laugh. So I was see, but when you're strong and and yeah. confident in what you're saying, yeah, nothing can phase you. I think Orlando. I know on draft day they got a lot of knock for their draft because they have a lot of guards now. They have like a million guards now. Oh no! Actually, I did have a problem with something you said. You said best available at eight. Eight. I don't no, think f- best available at five. Oh, okay. Fit okay. at eight. Okay. Cool. Just wanted to make that. Sorry. Fair enough. There's a there's a case for Franz Wagner being the best available at eight. Debatable. I don't think he would have. Been the best available. Who was not Davion Mitchell? Nah. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Between so France and Davion, who was best available? Well, Zaire, Ro- too. Zaire Williams. That's true. But when you have so many guards, that's why I I wasn't upset at the pick. Zaire Williams would have been interesting too because he has no, size. No, friends. No, agreed. Oh, for sure, he's got that big body type build to him. But at the same time, I, I expected I, Fran, uh, Zaire to go to like in the twenties. Really? I didn't see ten. No, I didn't see that either. Teams. I didn't see it either. I'm just speaking. Yeah. More so. Body type, similar position. I love the Magic's draft. I think they had a pretty good, solid draft. Some guys who fit what they want to do culturally. You mentioned it. The Houston Rock is getting Jalen Green at two. I think he's a culture changer. He's a bona fide bucket. He even said it himself. He said, put me anywhere in the world and I'm going to go get a bucket. And that's the type of guy he is. Then Josh Christopher, who's his best friend. You you build, you get somebody who's comfortable with Jalen Green. I'm not sure if Christopher is going to play much, but... It was a good upside pick because he is a really athletic guy. He can jump out the gym. Then Shingun. This guy, I think, was a top 10 prospect in this NBA draft. I've said it before. Where did he fall again? 16. Houston traded two first-round picks, future first-round picks, to move to 16 to get Shingun. And I love this pick because Shingun, to me, reminds me a lot of DeMontis Sabonis. He's a very good passer for his size. He's a very good rim runner. He can take you off the dribble and drive to the basket. He has a lot in his game. And I think Christian Wood right now is 
that guy at center. And I view Shingun more as a power forward anyway. But if Christian Wood down the line leaves Houston, I think they have their guy in Shingun. Realistically, in this draft, they picked up their centerpieces moving forward. KPJ and Jalen Green are the starting one and two for the future. Shengun and Usman Garuba can be the starting five and four going forward in the future. They picked up their centerpieces in Usman Garuba. Yesterday, I saw him versus the USA. He played phenomenal defense. He played elite level defense. He's a polished player because <laughs> of that overseas background. And offensively, he doesn't do much. You're not going to get out of him. You're not going to get a lot out of him. I've said this before. Usman Garuba has little to no star potential, but he's just going to be a solid role player, an elite defender, a guy who's going to do everything you need him to do, a P.J. Tucker max. You don't think he has star potential? I don't think Usman Garuba has star potential. That's just me. I don't think he has star potential. How old is he? 20? I know his age is, I know he's young. No, I'm just asking. Yes, he's not. He's actually 19. He's very young. Well, because I'm saying because the defense is already there. So, you know, you work more in his offense. From his play style, how I see him play, I don't see that star. I But offensively, I don't see it. I either. see a supercharged Kenneth Fareed and Usman Garuba. That's, well, Kenneth Fareed wasn't a great defender, but Usman Garuba has the offense of Kenneth Fareed, but defensively is on a different level. Mm. He, he is really similar to Draymond defensively. And yesterday, Spain versus USA, when you saw them both on the court, boxing one another out, the way they move on defense, it's very similar. Usman Garuba can guard one through five. His switchability is crazy. My next team was the Hornets. James Bucknight getting yeah. a guy to pair with Lamelo going forward in the future. Kai Jones, going now. a perfect lob threat. And Kai Jones, can he has a potential to be a star. Then JT Thor getting a swing pick late in the second round, I think was also a very good pick. And my third team, the Brooklyn Nets. They had an A++ draft, getting Cam Thomas at 27, a bona fide bucket. His favorite player is James Harden, so I already relate to him on some sort of level because he's an awesome Yo, dude. What the f- <laughs> if, if his favorite player is James Harden, he's already an awesome dude. I don't need to know much about him. He's been a bona fide bucket at Oak Hill. He was a bona fide bucket at LSU. In the NBA, he's going to be a bucket. Mm-hmm. He is like that. And Brooklyn, in this draft basically secured their future while also adding guys who can contribute now. They got Kessler Edwards in this draft as well at pick, at pick 44, a great value pick. De'Ron Sharp. They also got Marcus Zagorowski. They had a really solid draft, and I think the Brooklyn Nets filled every need, and they checked every box, and that's why I think they are winners in this draft. Let me ask you a question. Even more than Golden State, personally. No. But I can't um, agree with that either. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a question. How much do you think Cam Thomas is going to play with Patty Mills and Bruce Brown coming back? Bruce Brown plays a small ball five role. But do you think he'll start? Small. Can't, you think he'll start again? And Bruce he picked Brown? up James Johnson too. It depends. It really depends. I know Patty's coming up the bench. It depends. Um, James Johnson, I don't think is going to get much minutes. I think he's going to get minutes when the matchup. I think he takes the Jeff Green role. When the matchup calls for it, I think that's when James Johnson gets those minutes. When the matchup calls for it, when you right. have to put him on a Giannis and have to put him on these bigger body players, I think Cam Thomas can have a similar role to what Dinwiddie or Karis LeVert had early in Brooklyn. I really do. I think he's ready to come off the bench and score Mm -hmm. 10-plus points per game right off the bat. And Brooklyn, having Harden, having Kyrie and KD, knowing that these guys in the past have been injury-prone, 
there's always a chance for somebody to step up in that rotation. I don't think Dayron Sharp plays much. I don't think Kessler Edwards played much. I think that Marcus Zagorowski might get cut, but Cam Thomas, to me, I think is ready to ready to contribute day one. When you look at their lineup, Kyrie Harden, KD, who starts? You don't think Blake would start? I think Blake is going to come off the bench. I think it's better for okay. their depth. Bruce Brown's actually a free agent. You know, he got signed. No, he got he signed. signed, signed yeah. Bruce Brown starts with the Nets because last year when he started, they were really great. And at center, probably Nick Claxton. Okay. Okay. You know, maybe, maybe not. It maybe no, they go small. Said, no, Joe Harris is going to start. I totally forgot about yeah. Joe Harris. I, <laughs> I totally was like, forgot hey, about nah, Joe Harris. Joe's going to start. So probably Brown. And off the bench, it's it's Mills, it's Blake Griffin, it's Claxton or DJ. And then really, where else is that depth? Where is that shooting guard depth? I think yeah. Cam Thomas can fill that role. Okay. And that's why I think Cam Thomas has a chance to make an immediate impact with the Nets. And he was one of my favorite picks of the draft. I think he landed in the perfect situation to learn from Kyrie, Harden, and KD is going to be great for his career early on. Hey, that's yeah, because I was because I was th- I was thinking of the roster, and I seen them today saying they signed Patty Mills and they uh brought back Bruce Brown. So that's why I was curious how much Cam Thomas is going to see, depending on how they start their lineup. You know, maybe Claxton might get a start this year. Maybe they start Blake. Maybe they go like they have. They can go multiple directions. But it's like you said, James Johnson is probably going to see runs because you know they see Giannis three four times a year. They see. Uh, and B three four times. He's probably gonna have a big lineup out there, so that's why I was actually curious. And, and not to fight you too much on this, you're saying that you think that they're bigger winners than the Warriors. I'm gonna disagree with that, given the fact that the Warriors just had really good talent fall into their lap at their position, and they really didn't have to do anything to to acquire them. Kaminga falls to them at seven. Kaminga was top five projected. Un- un- obviously, Barnes did mess up the draft, and Giddy as well, but. They get Kaminga there at seven, regardless, and then at fourteen, Moses Moody. There's a few teams prior that went that that took before Golden State that could have used a guy like Moses Moody. Moses Moody provides both aspects of the game, defense and offense. A good shot maker, a good three point shooter, which exactly fits Golden State's needs. So that's why I'm a little hesitant to to agree with that. So Kaminga won't play much in his rookie year. Hmm. Moody will probably play more, but the addition of Otto Porter, Clay coming back. That's a very dangerous. Jordan I, I don't think Otto Porter is that big of a signing as people are making it out to be. No, he's going to get major minutes for war- the Warriors. I don't know about that. I mean, ever since he left Washington, he really hasn't been anything spectacular, in my opinion. He's been hurt when he's when he started in Chicago. They were a five hundred team. Say it. Say it louder for the people. Now, Otto, Otto Porter is going to have a significant. All role he has with to do Warriors. is shoot the three and play defense. I just think Kaminga, you wouldn't spend the number seven overall pick on him if you weren't going to at least try and develop him. No, he's any- go- for sure he's going to play. He, he probably is going to get like 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes a game. You know? I'll say 10, So do you 15. think he's more of a sophomore year player than a. Because look, Steph, Clay, Wig, Dre, Looney is probably going to be the starters. Do you think Wiggins makes it to opening day? Yeah. Okay. For sure. Okay. Because I think, I think what the Warriors want to do is see how good Clay still is on defense. Okay. And if he that'll it, dictate, he, yeah, that'll dictate whether Wiggins because Wiggins is really good on defense. No, and for then sure. The bench, you know, Wiseman, Moody, Jordan Poole. You don't think Wiseman starts coming off an injury? No. Okay. I think Looney with that he he Fair knows enough. he knows how they play. He has that veteran. I think he'll start, but it, it really depends. Like I, I think Kuminga gets some shine. You know, if he plays yeah. better, obviously he'll play more. But you know, it really just depends. Like he, you said, I think Moody will probably get more because he's more ready. Okay. And he three and D. You know, he's sure. that type of player. For sure. Golden State is a dynasty, uh, one of the dynasties of this era, no doubt. Oh, 
before we move on to the next time, I wanted to ask you guys: what was the team? What was the off the radar team that you thought won the draft? I didn't really have one. I was the Nets for me. For real, the Nets, like the off the radar team. I don't know what you what you really mean by that. I feel like a team people haven't been talking about that's that had a really good draft. I, I think I the had Nets. the Pelicans. The Pelicans did have a good draft. They, too. they needed defense and shooting, and the they Trey got a little Murphy, bit of both. Yeah, definitely, that, that's why I had uh, the, the Pelicans. Golden win. State has been a dynasty, but they have not been known for developing talent. It's really been Steph. It's really been the Steph show. That's why I kind of worry with Kaminga, because that's an interesting take. With Jonathan Kaminga, well, they haven't developed talent in like eight years. I know it's been a while, but Dre, Clay, Looney, Poole. they're more Looney. they're more self made. The he, he's, wait, wait, what do you mean? Like, wasn't he on the Warriors? Yeah, but he's not really. He's not a great player. Yeah, he's no, he, just, but he's, he's a, he knows his role and he does yeah, it very well. Kaminga landed in a pretty awkward spot because this is a team that that wants to win now, and Moses Moody offers that he can contribute right away. Kaminga, I don't think can because he's not a good defender. That's what's going to plague him early on in his career, and he's inefficient. He's not a good decision maker. If Golden State can't develop Kaminga, this is going to be a wasted pick because people are talking about him having a similar role to what Jalen Brown had his rookie year. But I don't think he he's as good defensively as Jalen Brown coming out, not even close. No way. And if Kaminga can't space the floor, if he can't play defense, he's not going to crack the rotation. Golden State, a team that wants to win now, is not going to play him over Fuentes Anderson, a guy who oh, knows his role. I, oh, no, I'm, yeah, I'm I just agree. telling you because yeah, yeah. off the bench, you have Jordan Poole. You already said you think Wiseman comes off the bench. That's two spots. We know rotations are usually eight to ten man rotations. That's Poole. That's Wiseman, Moody, Otto Porter. That's four right there. Kaminga's going to have to crack that fifth spot. I'm not sure if he can do that over Fuentes Anderson and even another guy like Damian Lee who knows what he has to do on, on the team. So that's why I think it's going to be tough for Kaminga to crack a role in this rotation. And that's why I think Golden State was kind of an awkward spot for him to land in because it's not an OKC where he can play through his mistakes, where he can just develop. It's a when am I going to get a chance to play type of thing. I, I agree but disagree to an extent because I think with – this is this is not an awkward spot. I think this is a really good spot because he doesn't have to be ready right away. I think with the pick of Moses Moody, you know, and with the fact that the Warriors have guys that can play over him and getting Otto Porter was huge because now Kuminga doesn't have to play right away. He can, his development can be slow and he can be that guy. They also got Bejelica. Oh, right, right, right. The, 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 that was a good yeah. pick. Up. So even with his addition, is where's Kaminga going to fit in that rotation? Yeah. That's, I, I, I don't think he needs to come in right away and be. I think they picked this guy as a guy to be their anchor for the future. But I don't think, even because with Wiseman, they kind of like, they played him, but he kind of came on slow. Sometimes they didn't play him one night. He got 15 minutes, another 30. So it's kind of going to be, I think with Kaminga, they're kind of going to take their time with the process with him. And I think that's okay for his development. Because like we, like you said, he's not ready right now. He's not Jalen Brown coming out of college. I personally feel like the best thing for a player's <clears throat> development is for them to play. And if he's not playing, and especially with all that pressure playing with Steph and in Golden State with those expectations, it's going to be really tough on him. Moses Moody can handle it because he's pro-ready right now. I mean, he's a polished player right now. He can step in, fill his role. He's a Golden State guy. I think if Golden State wanted to win now, 
they probably should have went with Franz Wagner at that seventh pick and then picked up Moody and had a forward and a guard. But obviously, Kaminga's upside is too much to pass up on. But I don't trust Golden State developing him. I don't. Ah, I don't know, because they, they turned Wiggins into a different type of player. Jordan Poole, he looked really good in his next year. You know, I, I don't obviously, I don't need to speak on Steph, Clay, and Jordan Dre. Poole was a bucket, though, at Michigan. He was a bucket. I think he averaged like 12 points. He had game, though. You saw those flashes. He had game. I don't know about this. I didn't see. I don't know about this. The flash, but I'm saying like year two, you see the improvement. You know, JTA, they trusted in him. He played well. So I, I, I won't say I won't fully trust their development, but it's obviously a 50-50 for me right now because we've seen the, the the good. You know, we've seen the Wiggins. He's Wiggins is a completely different player now, playing in Golden State. He, he didn't. He wasn't known as a great defender. He was never bad though. No, I'm not saying he was bad, but he wasn't known as what he is now. Now he's he can be considered a third or fourth star on the championship team, whereas in Minnesota, people were like, he's a bust. He doesn't play defense. He's he's just putting up empty stats. So mm-hmm. it's a 50-50 thing for me right now. But I think the seventh pick with Kaminga being there in their future, you know, Steph and Clay Dre being as old as they are and Clay coming off two injuries, I think you had to go with somebody with some type of star t- potential. Teams that I think lost a draft – are, this is really simple for me. <laughs> the first team has to be the San Antonio Spurs. The selection of Josh Primo was one of the worst picks that I've seen in years. <laughs> and this is no disrespect to Josh Primo. You're welcome to come on the show anytime you want. He's probably not even, not even going to listen to this. Yeah, no way. But this pick was so bad because if you watch Josh Primo at Alabama, he was nothing more than a spot-up shooter. That's all he was at Alabama. He didn't show... Great ability to be a shot creator. He didn't show great ability as an elite two-way player. He didn't show any of that. He was just a floor spacer. Mind you, he was a very good one, but that's all he was. At Alabama, he was the fifth best player on the team. It was Herb Jones. It was John Petty. It was Shackelford. It was Javon. And then it was Josh Primo. For a player to be... Shackelford or Shakefield? Shackelford. That's his name? That's how you pronounce it? Yeah, Shackelford. okay. For the Spurs to select Josh Primo with the 12th overall pick over Herb Jones, over John Petty, who were better than him at Alabama, is crazy to me. This was by far the worst pick in the draft. And I, you know, I hate this. I hate this pick for him because now he has these lottery expectations when he should have been a late round pick. He should have never went this high. He was going to be there later, and the Spurs, I think, reached on this pick, and I feel comfortable saying that he's not going to pan out. Not going to push back too too much on that, truthfully. I mean, I, I'm not too down on him. I think he's he's a good shot. Like, he has a good shot on him. He's athletic. He plays relatively good defense. The selection at 12 is what makes it egregious. He's not a top 12 pick. That's why the pick is so horrible, and agreed, I have them as a loser as well. I probably would have gone Moses Moody. I probably would have gone a lot of other guards over him right here, truthfully. But at the same time, his athleticism, it's definitely, he's definitely an athletic dude. Buck Knight was there. No, he was not. Buck Knight went the pick before. He went 11. Oh, wow. Which, uh, if Buck Knight was there, this is the worst. I thought Spurs went before. Wow. Yeah, who cares? It's all right. But either either way, I mean, the, the Spurs have a lot of holes right now. You could have gone. Sangoon, you could have gone Kai Jones. I feel like either of those names would have been better than Primo at that 
at that 12 spot. And if you really weren't confident in that, you could have moved down. So I don't know what they were thinking, truthfully. But I'm not too down on Primo. I think he, he could make it. He could, he could shoot the ball relatively well. He's an athletic defender as well. So I'll cut him the benefit of the doubt until we see him play. Well, I, I like Primo. I don't think he's worth the pick where he's at. Right. But I do like Primo as a prospect. I do like Primo's potential. I like him as a player. I just don't think he... I think he's more of a early second round type of guy, late first maybe. Um, I think Sacramento, you know, I think they lost in this well, draft. Sir. I think picking up Davion Mitchell was way too high. I think for a team that has De'Ami Fox, who's proven to be the guy for them, they just paid him to. A team who has Tyrese Halliburton, who exceeded expectation. A team who with Bud Hill, who we know he's going to get traded probably, but he's still on the team at the moment. Having those three guys, there's not going to be much, you know, much wiggle room for Davion Mitchell, we don't even know if Hadley Burton is going to start or come off the bench. So even then, it's kind of like, bro, what are you guys doing? You know, there's there was talent at three where you could have went. Harrison Barnes, you know, he's not a guy. You, you need some young talent there. Marvin Bagley hasn't worked out. You kind of need a wing out there to have some young talent. And I don't think Davion Mitchell was the answer for them at that pick. I feel like they could have gone deeper. I think an, another loser is Philly. I think not trading Ben Simmons that day is going to haunt them. I think them reaching for a lot of draft picks when they could have probably got a lottery pick this year, maybe two, if they just didn't want to ask for too much from other teams is going to bite them in the, in the ass. Even, even trading Ben Simmons for a star on draft day. I, I don't think that was good. And then picking up and then the drafts, the, the picks they had Jaden Springer. Why would you pick him? You already have Tyrese Maxey. You know, you could have went another way. So I, I don't like the direction Philly went in that draft. And I don't like the fact that they didn't trade Ben Simmons on draft day in a position where they could have done it because they were asking for too much. But those are, to me, my two losers. I think Davion Mitchell will crack a role in the Sacramento Kings rotation. I don't like the pick, and I have them as a loser as well because they have been drafting guards for years. Stop drafting guards. You already have Buddy Heald. You already have Fox. You already have Halle Burden. If Buddy Heald gets traded, Tyree starts at the two. like, And then Mitchell comes off the bench, but did you really use your ninth overall pick to get a six man. Is that really what they did? Like, that no is way. ridiculous. You're using a top 10 pick to draft a sixth man. That is ridiculous, especially when they could have went upside at the wing or maybe even traded back and drafted a Corey Kispert for extra spacing because Harrison Barnes is leaving soon. They could have went in a lot of different directions or even Moses Moody, maybe use him as a three. There are so many different directions they could, that they could have went in, but the other team that were losers to me were the Memphis Grizzlies. The 10th overall pick, well drafting Zaire Williams, Zaire Williams, who is a project type of player who was extremely inefficient in his first year, his freshman year at Stanford. And then with the 30th pick, drafting Santi Aldama. I don't even know who that is. I don't either. I tried searching him up, and his stats look pretty good. But then I did some extra research, and he was playing one of the worst leagues in in Europe. So this guy is not playing against good talent and he's putting up these numbers and I even read somewhere where this guy is going to be stashed. He might not even come to the NBA in like 2 or 3 years. So does. for you to pick him at pick 30, a stash player is a waste of a pick in my opinion cuz I don't think he's going to be that good. And Zaire Williams, they better hope he pans out. I heard rumors that they were hoping Josh Giddy was there. And that's why OKC took Giddy at six because they knew Memphis wanted him at ten, and Giddy would have been the perfect pick. I've been saying it on the podcast for the last couple for the last week that 
I think Memphis was looking at Giddy. So then they go with Zaire after though. Yeah, because it was it was Giddy, and then they were also looking at somebody else who got. It was Giddy. It was Kaminga that got drafted seventh. It was Franz Wagner who got drafted. They were looking at Wagner. Their their board was Giddy Wagner and Williams, and they weren't looking at Book Knight at all. I'm guessing not. That makes no sense to me. I read somewhere that their three their top three choices were Giddy Wagner and Williams. Maybe he was top five. Maybe, but I just don't know. This guy, Book Knight, has the potential to be maybe the best scorer in this draft outside of Jalen Green. I think Jalen Green is the best scorer in this draft. Obviously, Cade, too, but I think he's more of an all-around type player because he's in a different class of his own. Is that okay to say? I think James could be the best scorer in this draft. But You're saying Book Knight? Yeah. Okay, so it's not wrong for me to say that. Okay, I, I, listen, I agree. You're just looking at me crazy. That being said, you have that. He's right there. You didn't have to move up for him. He fell to your lap at 10. Instead, you take a player where you already have a guy at his position who's already been successful for you in Dylan Brooks. Oh. Dylan Brooks plays very good on-ball defense. He's more of a two, though. Just tall. Which which is fair because his his frame is not meant to, to play if the— you, like If you watch him in Stanford, he really plays more like a two-guard type. I'm just going based off what they have him oh, listed as, which is—listen, which is listen, you're the you're the college guy, which I'll give you all the credit for, but— you draft a guy at his position, you know, that you already have a guy in yeah. Dylan Brooks who's already proven that he could play offense relatively well. Whether it's consistent or not is a different story, defense but he up. definitely is lockup on defense. You pass on a guy in Book Knight. You pass on a guy in Moses Moody who also has shown he can play really good defense as well as shoot the ball to pair that with a guy like John Morant who's obviously going to run your offense. No doubt about it, I had the Grizzlies as one of my losers. Another loser I had was actually the Pacers. Now, I don't like the Pacers pick at 13. I feel as if you already are probably shifting towards Malcolm Brogdon being your point guard. You don't really have a two guard. You lose a guy in Doug McDermott, which is a good, a firm shooter for you, but you're really not in win now mode, in my opinion. So you bring in a guy who, and Chris Duarte, who's 24 years old. What's his true upside in the NBA? You, you pass on Moses Moody, you pass on a guy like Kispert as well. Who knows if my, you, they they were in talks of trading Miles Turner? It's you could have gone send Goon to fill that role as well. There's just other options that I would have gone at instead of taking a 24 year old guy who we we saw with the Rockets. What is his name? Something Tate. I'm blanking. Bad. Jason, Jason Tate. Jason Tate, who was an older draft pick, but ended up being you know a, a solid piece for the Rockets. So maybe Chris Duarte could be that. I just don't think that with the Pacers are where the Pacers are right now, that this was a good pick for them, in my opinion. Chris Duarte is better than Jay Sean Tate. And, and they do have a shooting guard. They had Karis LeVert. You're 100% right. You're yeah, 100% okay. right. Word, I, I'm bugging. I I'm, do I'm think the Pacers are in one now mode. Rick Carlisle is coming in. Every single position on the roster has talent. Brogdon, LeVert, TJ Warren, Sabonis, Miles Turner. And they have Miles Turner's successor, Isaiah Jackson. I think Isaiah Jackson plays very similar to Miles Turner. And if he bulks up, he can be just as good, if not better. I think Isaiah Jackson has a lot of upside. I don't lo- I don't dislike the pick. I think Chris Duarte was okay. If it was me, though, I would have probably taken somebody with a little bit more upside. I would have picked Moody. At that I was, think that Moody would have been, been the pick better pick. Sure. But Chris Duarte, I don't hate that pick. Even though he is 24, I think... He's better than Jay Shantae coming out. For sure. Chris Duarte is an immediate impact player. They want to trade Jeremy Lamb, so they, they, they need that backup shooting guard, and I think Chris Duarte can be that. And with Levert's injury history, 
you might need him to start. And Warren as well. Warren had he he basically missed all last season too with injuries. So that's the only reason why I'm iffy on this pick. I just would have loved Moody here. Moody again, he falls into your lap at 13. A guy who potentially could have been top 10. He falls into your lap at 13. You pass on him. Even a guy in Corey Kisper too, where you had Ty Warren miss the whole season. He could have filled that role for you too. I just am not in love with this pick. Just because of the age, truthfully. I don't know what his true ceiling is already at 24. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, with Indiana, they're, they're, I think they're in win-now mode just because of the fact they have a lot of guys who were hurt last year. Do you think they could actually win? Oh, no, of course That's not. Why- they're still in, you know, win-now mode because they Fair feel enough. like they have the represent pieces to make a to- push in the playoffs. Okay. And with their guys being all in the contract, Brogdon, Levert, Warren, Turner, Sabonis, I think they're all getting paid at least – 15 mil a piece at least mm-hmm. i think so i think mm-hmm. you know with them already being solidified you know they have a solid starting five and that bench just needs help you know so i think chris duarte is a good bench player I, like i said i would have went moody too or kispert but i think duarte he still is he's still one of the best shooters in this you draft kispert over duarte yeah. i wouldn't have i don't know they're, they're all like the same type of guy to me he can play defense you're saying Duarte can, can. play defense. Kispert, yeah, uh, yeah he, he can. You're right. He can. I mean, that's a tough one. I don't know. Kispert's a better shooter than me. For sure. Nah, he is, yeah. Like he's a he's a knockdown shooter. He shot 44% from No, he, he he's that's a okay. really shooter from all. I, I, it depends. I probably would have went Moody regardless. But you know, I think Duarte's still a good pick because he's a 3 and D type of guy. And like you said, Doug McDermott just left. Jeremy Lin, they want to trade, so they need somebody to come up the bench. His you know. a body, too. Two, 230 almost. This guy, Duarte, was 190. Wait, well, yeah, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Duarte's 190. He's Dominican. What What are you trying to say? I'm just saying. <laughs> nah, I just oh, wanted to I mention know, that. Because the way you said it was just like. Yeah, that's why it's not Duarte, and it's Duarte, because he has culture. Wow, he's 190. I want to hear your guys' grades for these lottery picks. Let's do it. Do it. One through four lotteries, one through 14, as we all know, on the live stream, you guys had some confusion over it. You guys thought it was probably 15, 15 16. But no, lottery is one through 14. We're going to give our grades on each pick made in the NBA draft lottery. So starting with the number one pick, Detroit Pistons selected Cade Cunningham. Consensus. To me, this is an A plus pick. Okay. A plus, 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 plus. Yeah. Everybody a plus. has A plus. A plus. Got so it. on well, to I have the next a 105 one. grade. <laughs> The Rockets, number two overall pick, selecting Jalen Green. A plus. This also is an A plus Correct. pick for me. Yep. So uh, we can move on from that yeah, one. So third know. overall pick, a Cleveland, plus. Evan Mobley. A plus. This is A plus yeah, for me yeah. as well. Okay, it's getting tricky though. Fourth pick. This is the discussion. Toronto Raptors select Scotty Barnes. What is your grade, Riv? What? <laughs> um, Come on, you can't be surprised when you go first. You no, go because first we were all such in the like cool, just nah, we're gonna say at the same time that he's like Riv. Yeah, it was like fair uh, enough, fair enough. I'm gonna give it a B. I'm gonna give it a B. I wouldn't give it an A, but I'm gonna definitely give it a B because it's still a really good pick. I'm gonna give it a B plus because of the upside that he brings to the defense and his potential that he could be that point forward for them. So you don't really miss out on Jalen Suggs too much. Only reason I don't give it a B plus is because or excuse me, I don't give it higher than a B plus because I would have gone Jalen Suggs, especially with Kyle Lowry being gone. You bring in your immediate replacement right right off rip and he fits in. I wouldn't say like the glove right you know, perfectly because obviously this guy Kyle Lowry is an amazing defender and I don't think Suggs will ever reach that level of defense that really? Kyle Lowry was on. In my opinion, Kyle Lowry is one of the best defensive guards think, in our league. 
I think Suggs kind of played like Kyle Lowry. Not from the shooting aspect, mm-hmm. but that type of just steady point guard. I was going to say, I feel like an all-around game, I yeah. like Suggs for sure. I just mean on the defensive side, and that's obviously where the Raptors were leaning. They wanted a, a defensive-type team, and that's why I like the pick, and I give it a B plus. I just would have gone Suggs. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Malachi Flint. So. Okay. I'm giving this draft pick a B. Okay. Because... I think this is an upside pick. They're betting on Scotty Barnes' upside. I think he's ready to contribute right now also. But I've said it pre-draft. My ceiling for him has never been a star or superstar player. I see him more as a 15, 8, and 8 type of guy. He's getting these Giannis comparisons, and I don't know where they're coming from. People are just looking at his physique and saying, oh, that's Giannis. But no, his play style is nothing like Giannis. His assertiveness on offense is nothing like Giannis. His aggressiveness is nothing like Giannis. He's a pass-first player. I like this pick because this de- the defense's up- upside of this team is crazy. But offensively, they are going to struggle. And Jalen Suggs is somebody who I think would have been a better fit offensively. But Barnes is better for their defense. And that length of having OG, Siakam, Barnes, Precious now, and... Van Vliet is that's going to be an insane defensive lineup. I'm surprised based off your reaction on draft day that you're yeah, giving you it a B. Geeked yeah, about it. I like Barnes to Toronto, but I don't know if he's going to become a star, a, a superstar player. Because when we did our draft scouting report, I didn't think Barnes was that type of ceiling type of guy. Is Draymond a superstar in your opinion? No. What the hell? I agree. My point being, if he <laughs> if he reaches Draymond's level, are you happy with that? I would be. Depends on the team. Here's okay. the thing. I think Scotty is going to his stats will be better than Draymond. But Draymond is really a tough player to evaluate and compare other players to. For sure. Because his impact does not show up on the box score. I think yeah. what people also forget is comparing Giannis and Draymond, Scotty is way more polished coming out than both of both those of guys them. were. Mm-hmm. So he has a little bit of an edge in that department and his work ethic is insane. Okay. So I think he can definitely be better than what he is. But you know, coming out, he's what, nineteen, twenty years old. Draymond, it took him four years to be who he was. Mm-hmm. You know, Giannis he had the work. He was young, but he obviously had the work. So what's your ceiling for him? Scotty? I think he'll be an all-star. Okay. I think he'll definitely be. Not Do you think a, not he ever high. averages 20 points? He can. Okay. He, because he, of his, his athleticism? Mindset, his mindset isn't that, though. He's a team first player. Yeah, he's a team guy. I think he's like an Iggy, you know? I like, just look at the Raptors. Do you see a guy that is going to be their primary scorer night in, night out? Pascal cannot be that. I agree. It I don't think so. Van Vliet Vliet at this point. I don't think Van Vliet can be or that Or Gary Trent has to take a step forward. I think for them to be successful, it needs to be somebody else. Okay. Maybe OG? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, he can. He has to take a big step. Toronto's going to win games because of their defense next year. They're gonna, I think they'll be a playoff team. I agree. I think they'll I agree. be a playoff team. Next pick, the Magic at five, taking Jalen Suggs. My grade is a B plus. I think it was a good pick. They took best player available, but taking Suggs at this spot hindered them from taking a guard at eight. And that's why I think they kind of messed up because they could have taken Kaminga at five, Buck Knight at eight. And I think that would have been a better draft than Suggs and Wagner. But Suggs was the best player available, so I can't knock them for it. But that's why I'm giving this a B plus. I think they I think they get a B for me too, because I think, you know, all the guards being there, Jalen Suggs is kind of like the one guard they really want. You know, a team a team first guard. He has all the intangibles. He's a playmaker. He's a guy who's initiator of the offense. And I think they need a guy like that. You know, they need a winning type of player. And I don't think the guards they have right now are healthy enough or playmakers at the position. So I think Jalen Suggs, I got to give him a B because, like you said, best player available. And he's somebody that can be an all-star in this league. 
I'll give Jalen Suggs an A minus. Jesus Christ. I'll give Jalen Suggs this selection an A minus. I feel as if the only reason I'm not giving it higher is because, like you mentioned, they do have a lot of guards in that room. But you draft Jalen Suggs, who could be the cornerstone of this team potentially. That's why I give it an A minus. This guy is definitely an all around type player, a guy that you would love on your roster. And for him to fall to five, that's a blessing for them, truthfully. I'm sure that they didn't think draft day that they were going to have this guy fall to them. So A minus is firm with me. Six overall pick, OKC Thunder selected Josh Giddy. I'm giving this pick an A plus. An A. Mm, okay. I love Josh Giddy. I think he's one of the more polished players in this draft. He's going to be one of the best player, one of the best passers in this draft. Overseas played really well in the NBL. I think he's better than people give him credit for, and I can't wait for 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 him to prove people wrong. Especially this guy sitting to the right of me, River Brown Jr. We just gave out your government. That's not my government. Okay. It's my son's government. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is a trick because OKC's draft was just so weird to me. But I think this pick alone, I'd probably give it, I'd probably give it a B. You know, I think getting another guy who can play make and kind of take the load off SGA, I think it's a really good thing. You know, unlike... I think he's he was given one of the heaviest loads in the NBA, you know, trying to carry that team. And when, you know, he played, they were three games at the 500. They were really competitive, and that team wasn't that much talent. So, so I think bringing in Josh Giddy helps SGA slide to that two spot. Where he can focus on scoring and also gives him another, another initiator of the offense. So I give it a B great. 100% agree. I have a B as well. Only reason I'm not giving it higher is because his offensive game is lacking. He averaged around 10 points a game overseas. Under, he shot under under 30% from three-point land, so he's obviously going to have to work on his shot in that aspect. But like you mentioned, 100% take, it allows SGA to move to that two-guard to focus more on scoring, where SGA already had a season where he averaged over 23 points a game. He's probably going to up those numbers, and Giddy's only going to help him get to his spots more. So that I, I do like the selection, but given his limited offensive skill set as of right now, I'm not in love with the pick, so I'm going to stay at B. Seventh overall pick. Golden State Warriors, Jonathan Kaminga, this pick is a C- minus for me. I think it's a C- because this was probably one of the worst places he could have gone to to develop. I don't think he's going to play right away, and because of that, it may hinder his growth as a player. And I didn't like the spot for Kaminga. For Golden State, yeah, they're going to shoot for the stars and see if his potential is going to live up to what he could be someday, but I think this was a bad fit for Kaminga. Um, give this grade a... Uh, this draft pick a B plus. You know, I think getting a guy who's can help a team whose injury, I mean, whose players are very old. You know, this can help their future. Also, in putting him in a position where he can learn with learn from the best shooter of all time, one of the best defenders of all time, one of the best three and D players that we've seen in our league. I think that would really help his development. And on top of that, he doesn't have to come in and is not the number one pick expectations or the number two pick or, you know, saving a franchise, you know, those expectations really damage a player. And I don't think Kaminga has that. So I think that's going to be good for him too. So I give it a B. I'm going to lean B just because you said B plus or B. I don't remember, but I said B. Okay. All right. Well, don't want to backpack you, but I'm going to, I'm going to go B B as well. I let, I'm going B because the fact that the Warriors were able to land Kaminga and again, not move in any position to get him was very firm to me. I look at his frame, a 6'8", 210 guy with a 6'11 wingspan. That's extremely solid. And his biggest critique right now is defense. He's a liability defensively. 
But when you have a guy in Draymond Green who's obviously going to bring the best out in you, I feel as if that can only benefit Kaminga. Like you mentioned, his his offensive game is definitely the best part of his game, in my opinion, and most people's opinion. He's a strong dude. He's an athletic dude. He's going to be able to get his shot. He's going to learn from Steph Curry. He's going to learn from Klay Thompson. This is only going to benefit him in the long run. Again, like you meant, you you keep saying that you don't think that this is a good spot for him, which listen is more than fair. They have, there's a lot of depth to this lineup. I think he will get more minutes than Otto Porter. I'm not a huge fan of his. <laughs> Bejelica, again, he he he's a new addition. He didn't really make it work with with the Kings. Didn't really make it work with the Heat. Now he comes to the to the Warriors. to the Warriors, where you know there's a little bit of depth there at that position as well, and. I look at Kaminga. You you drafted him with the seventh pick overall. You're gonna you're gonna use him in some facet of the game. So I'm gonna stick with B because I think that he he has too much upside to to not be given a chance. Eighth overall pick, Orlando Magic selected Franz Wagner. This is a C for me because he's a perfect role player, but I don't see him being anything much more than that. I agree. I, I think this is a C plus grade. I think you know Orlando needs stars. I think they need star potential. They need star talent. And I think Franz is like. Just a really good player that's going to be in the league for a long time and contribute, but I don't think he has star potential, so I'll give him a C. I'm going to go C, C minus. I feel as if I'm not a huge fan of Mo Bamba. I'm not a fan of Wendell Carter, these bigs that they have on this team. I would have gone Sengun. People may have seen it as a reach, but when you need some, you, when you need a position and you had Jalen Suggs fall into your lap at five, you take need and you take upside at the same time. Franz Wagner really doesn't provide... All too much. I apologize. <laughs> doesn't provide all too much more than what Sangoon would have given you, and Sangoon gives you that size, and at least you you give another chance to to a new big. Where I'm not a, I'm not a supporter of Bamba. I think that we've already seen what he is. Dude, I hate Wendell. Wendell Wendell is not that great. Uh, maybe maybe man maybe no he's making fun of me. Uh. But listen, defensively, <laughs> he's he's definitely better than what Franz Wagner is. Franz Wagner really is that type of hybrid where he he can kind of score be a mid-range kind of has a jump shot not the best defender there is at least Garuba excels in defense his offensive game definitely lacks but Franz Wagner doesn't specifically excel in one thing over another that's why I'm not in love with this pick ninth overall <laughs> ninth overall pick Garuba. the king selected Davion Mitchell this grade is a D for me I think it was one of the worst picks in the draft because they're drafting way too many guards I don't like this for Davion Mitchell at all. F. I think they didn't fill any holes. They didn't fill any needs. I think they just went out and did another bad thing in the draft. <laughs> uh, I don't. They didn't get any star potential, star nothing. Really? Yeah, this is just strictly F. I feel bad. Like you said, I feel bad for Mitchell because I wanted him to go somewhere where he can contribute and actually be in a winning environment. But um, it's over. Sacramento is bad, man. I give them a D plus because I think Davion Mitchell what is a D plus. Uh, it's just not a D. It's not an F. What the hell? I give it a plus because isn't a D like sixty five to sixty nine? You know, you have a good point, but I've seen people give D pluses. Really? Yeah, weirdly enough. Uh, Regardless of that fact, you know, you want me to give him a C minus? I'll give him a C minus. Would that make you happy? (laughs) No, I'm just saying. You know, C minus. Why not? I no, I'm just kidding. In the D range, just because I like Davion Mitchell, I like Davion Mitchell the player. That being said, this makes no sense for like you guys mentioned with the Kings. They already have a bunch of guards, but Davion Mitchell. Reminds me of that Marcus Smart type player. He can definitely play defense. He could be the best defensive player in this draft, even better than Scotty Barnes. That being said, oh, there's no there's no there's no real room for him to to grow offensively given 
De'Aaron Fox is going to be the primary ball handler. Tyler, Tyrese Halliburton has shown that he could be that 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 facilitator of the offense on top of still getting his shot off too. You have a guy in in uh, blanking uh, shooting guard, Buddy Buddy Heel. Thank you. Uh, who obviously has been rumored in a bunch of trades recently, but he's probably going to stay on the team at the start of the season. So he's kind of getting lost in in all the in all those guys' minutes as well. So that's why I give it a D. Tenth overall pick, the Grizzlies selected Zaire Williams out of Stanford. This is a C minus for me. If he doesn't pan out potential wise, because at Stanford he wasn't good at all. They're just they they made this pick based off potential. If he doesn't even live up to half of what he can be, this is going to be one of the worst picks in the draft. I just my fault. I looked up Buddy Hill's real name. I had to know what, what it is was. it. Chavano Rainer Hield. So where did Buddy come from? Uh probably a nickname. He's Hawaiian. Okay. Um, no, I he, thought he was from the Bahamas. Yeah, I, I don't know why I said Hawaiian, but he's from the Bahamas. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, Zaire, I'm gonna give it a C grade. You know, like because it's we we can throw all the trust. In Memphis development team, but I just feel like James Bucknight sitting right there was just so perfect for John Morant and the crew. So I got to give it a C clear because I watched Stanford a lot last year and he just was so inconsistent and he got pushed around a lot. His frame is very, very skinny. He's kind of built like Brandon Boston, but he doesn't have that type of separation at this level at the moment. So they're kind of banking on his potential, but I think they could have went in different routes with this pick. So I'm going to give him a C. I'm going to give this pick a D. I feel as if how I've mentioned over and over again, I would have taken Buck Knight with this pick. And even at the very worst, I would have taken a guy in Moses Moody, someone to fill that two guard position, someone that can get a bucket on their own without, you know, a spot up shooter, anything. Buck Knight could do more than that. He's, he's a versatile shooter. He can drive to the basket. He, he is just a perfect package offensively when it comes to scoring. And then guy, in Moses Moody, same thing. He's a very good shooter can, can, can score the basketball, but is also efficient on defense as well. Zaire Williams, I'm not in love with him. His frame is not there. He, he's got good height to him, but when you're 6'8 and 180, that's not a good recipe in the NBA. And again, they have a guy at his position already that has shown he can be successful. So I'm going to stick with the D. Pick 11 to Charlotte Hornets, James Bucknight. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> this was an A-plus for me. Yeah, I, I, there's nothing much to say about this pick. A this plus. is extremely an A-plus. Next pick, the 12th pick, the Spurs selected Josh Primo. Oh, shit. This was an F. F. This was the worst pick of the draft. Easily. It's F. a shame because I do think Primo could like him. Good. Me too. F. Me too. F. 13th pick, the Patriots selected Chris Duarte. I'm giving this a B. This was a solid pick. I, I give it, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to give it a B because I think with all the uh, guys they're going to lose in free agency, I think he comes and he can seamlessly fit into his role. So. I'm going to go see just because as I, I don't think he's going to be a starter right away, obviously. So if that's not, if that's the case, then you could have brought in a guy in Moses Moody to be that six man. You could have brought in a guy in Corey Kisper to be that six man. I like those guys better. I think Corey Kisper is a bigger body Chris Duarte who could score the ball more efficiently. You lose a guy in Doug McDermott, Kisper immediately fills that void in a guy who could shoot the basketball very well. Duarte, again, like I mentioned, 24 years old. What's his What's his true ceiling at this age already? So I'm going to stick with the C. You know who Chris Duarte is kind of like? Doug Christie. Mm. That's interesting. You don't know who that is. Not a clue. <laughs> <laughs> the last pick in the lottery Not was... Not explain who that is to me either. Right. Golden State Basically Warriors. Chris Duarte is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the last pick of the lottery was the Golden State Warriors selecting Moses Moody. I actually thought this was an A-plus pick by them. I agree. I think A-plus, Warrior guy. I'm high on Moody. Agreed, A-plus. So that's our lottery grades. Now, on to the next topic. 
We are going to name the best undrafted players. We're going to name two or three. And I'll start off first, and I'll name mine two. Aaron Henry was obviously one of them. He was a guy who I thought was going to get drafted for sure. Ended up not getting drafted. I was very disappointed in that. But at Michigan State, average 15.6 rebounds and four assists per game. Was a Hollywood defender. He got signed by the 76ers. And he's going to be playing for their summer league team. And I expect Henry to make the team. I think he will make it. He has a chip on his shoulder. And I can't wait to see what he does. And the next player is Joel Ayayi. We share the same name. So I already know he's destined for greatness. And I think that Joel Ayayi, I was really surprised he wasn't drafted. At, at Gonzaga, he was the perfect 3 and D guy. Next to Suggs. Next to Drew Timmy. Kispert. He was the perfect glue guy. He was the glue guy of their team. He averaged 12 points. He had seven rebounds per game, and he shot 58% from the field and 39% from three. He's the perfect 3 and D player, floor spacer. He signed with the Lakers, and maybe he can crack a rotation spot on that team. Your boy, Javante Smart, didn't get drafted either. He got signed by Miami. Yeah. That's, that's a good spot for that's him. That's what I was about to say. It's a really good he spot. He can fill that Kendrick Nunn role. If you make, you got to make the roster first, you know. But um, my my guy, you kind of took one of my guys, so I'm gonna just say one. Freaking took Joel, man. Um, Which one he take of yours? Joel. No, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say. Okay. I watched Gonzaga a lot, so he's really good. Uh, Trendon Wofford. We was talking about it earlier. I think Trendon Wofford not getting drafted was really weird to me. You know, he's a guy that kind of fits this NBA mold. You know, a guy who can play the three, he can play the four, he can play the small ball five, he can make passes out the post, he can hit. He's not a liability on the three point line. He can hit an open jump shot. He's a guy who can take it to the basket. He's pretty strong for his position. So I thought, you know, somebody was going to bank on him and take him late in the second round. I'm surprised he didn't get picked up. And it was it was interesting. He's uh, going to Portland on a two-way. So hopefully, you know, Portland can. Trenton Wofford? Yeah. That's not a bad place for him. Yeah, so hopefully. But that, that was that was my guy. You took my other guy. So I'm just going to say Trenton Wofford. That's fine because he took my guy and Aaron Henry. So my one guy was Mac McClung. He of comes, course. I to, knew you were going go to the Lakers. Way. We lose Caruso. We get another He's athlete. He's not going to make the team. He probably, he probably, with all the signings we made today, yeah, he won't make the you're, team. you're probably right. But at the same time, let's say he doesn't make the Lakers roster. I feel like he could definitely be a good role player on another squad. He brings a, a great amount of athleticism to a squad. He's a good. He's a volume shooter who, who definitely needs to work on not having to force shots up. But he's... He's athletic enough where I believe in his offensive game where he can get to the basket. He's definitely that flashy type player that even if he's a six-man or deeper rotation player than that, he can give you a spark off the bench, and that's exactly what you need. Defense-wise, he's a good post defender. I think off-ball defense, he he can definitely work on that a little bit. But McClung, especially when with the Lakers losing Caruso, you bring in a guy in McClung. No, nothing because of the color of his skin. I just solely mean it. He is a, a true athletic basketball player that definitely could be beneficial for this Lakers squad deep into a rotation, of course. Wait, what does the color of his skin have to do with anything? Ah, he's white. People are going to say, oh, you only think that he's No, it's because you're a Lakers fan. Ah, but Caruso brought exactly what McClung brought to us. A, a guy off the bench that was a spark well, type of dude. Gone. Yeah, man, It's tragic. I could cry about it if we talk about it a little bit more, but we don't want that. <laughs> that being said, McClung. He's a poor man's Caruso. <laughs> he is. He definitely is. I think he's a little better. Whoa. Coming out, coming Whoa. out, coming 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 out. Obviously, no one knew about who Caruso was until he actually started getting burned. Yeah, oof. Yeah, for real. I was about to start. Yeah. I was about to start going. Oh, Caruso's good. He's, just, he's on my team now. I gotta yeah, you got to be a supporter now. Get the headband. No. AC Fresh Tat. On what team? The Bulls. I thought you said McClung. 
No, we I was, we was talking about uh, coming Caruso. out of college. Yeah. Caruso's way better than McClung. Yeah, no, definitely. I, no, I. That's not what I was saying. I don't know. Were you? I not know what you. I know what you were saying. Were you? Still. Yeah, I was saying coming out of college. I feel like Max McClung or Mac Mac McClung is a guy that people will pick because of Baller's life. He's a very famous yep, figure. Sure. Yep. Very, very bouncy though. But I don't. Think, his athleticism is crazy. But I don't think he has much game that translates to the NBA level personally. Mm. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. And why is that? Didn't it take Caruso like a year and some change yeah, to get on a team? Yeah, more, he was in summer league like. Yeah. Because Mac McClung is an undersized point guard that doesn't do much else but score. Correct. And I'm not sure that he can score on, on at a high level in the NBA or even a good enough level to crack a rotation spot. Mm. NBA is really difficult. I think Mac McClung is going to be a guy who's going to be in the G League for a while and mm. try to find himself and may never will. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what this guy's future holds, but... <laughs> Mac, I don't. I'm not high on Mac McClung at all. I think he's one. Of, he's more of a hoop mixtape guy. Okay. He's not more of a in game ball player. Okay. In my opinion, mm. I think he's too ball dominant, which is what I I understand what you're saying. He's too he's too much of a player that needs the ball in his hand to make things happen, and in in doing so, it forces him to jack up shots that he doesn't necessarily have to take. A lot but, of these hoop mixtape guys really don't pan out. Mm. Do you remember Jordan McCabe? He's at West Virginia. He gets no burn. Yeah. That's because West Virginia a, plays full-court defense. He's few, not doing there's a, that. There's a bunch of guys that have highlight tapes that obviously made it. John Wall. Nazi Reed. Zion. Seventh Woods. Oh, my God. He was garbage. He was garbage. I mean, yeah. Because Ball is Life, they don't show the bad. They just show your highlights. Yeah, of course. That's every, obviously yeah. who's going to show the you highlights their bad. Some guys' highlights do be a little crazy. Like yeah. oh, Wiggins, Seventh Woods Wiggins was out like of high that. school yeah. was crazy. Remember Quay best. Parker? I don't know him now. Oh, he's a dark skinned dude. He 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 was jumping out the gym, like jumping, like he's doing three. What college did he go to? He he went to Rutgers, and then he just flat out after Corey that. Sanders. He was actually pretty good at Rutgers. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. How it was average, below right. average to below average. I wouldn't say below average. He was all right after he left. Rutgers turned the program around. That is true. That is very true. Dwayne Bacon also was one of the highly tied prospects out of high school. Dwayne was tough. Shabazz Muhammad. He went to FSU. He was tough. Shabazz, Shabazz Muhammad. Was Shabazz was all right. There's a lot of guys. Bull's life had a lot of... Yeah, guys NBA's don't. cutthroat. Not everyone makes it, obviously. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It's a tough business. It's 11 men on every roster. 12. 15 if we're being realistic. How many really play? Like eight? Nine. At most. The Warriors play 10. They need it. Why do the, the Warriors need it? Because ah, they're not that good. We're going to the finals. How much you want to put on that? I'm willing to pull up $10 on that. Shake on it right now. Finals. Now I'll put 50 You'll go to the finals. All right, deal. The WCF. No, no, no. All right, deal. You know what, deal. All right, all right. You already have a bet with me. Yeah. This guy is crazy. Ah, we'll talk about that Thursday. We'll talk about it Thursday. We'll talk about it Thursday. You yeah. already have a bet I'm, with me. I can't wait for yours. Oh my I'll God. be honest. I can't wait. Oh, I'm gonna just rub it in his. I'm bringing face. popcorn. Yo, he's. Uh, no, you're not. You're not gonna rub nothing in my face. I know. Just pause. like yeah, yeah, yeah. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah, bro, you're ridiculous for what you was talking about in the group chat. I don't know. I was bugging. I, no, nah, I don't think so. For thinking Atlanta think so. could do that. Yeah, nah. we're gonna talk about it next episode. But you're, man, you better come ready with notes that episode. I think for you real. need to come with notes that are gonna. <laughs> I got mine. Trust me. Yeah, notes aren't good enough. They're not good enough. I'm prepared. You're never prepared. I'm prepared. Because you can I'm talk prepared. and then you know just gets bad fired by my 
clean rebuttals. You know, I'm like a battle rapper. I'm like Sue Surf. And like you're the good Sue Surf or the bad the, the, the Sue Surf? The prime Sue Surf. Oh. And you're like. I'm Eminem 8 Mile. Got no chance against me. It's irrelevant. Um, this is real battle. Now, rap. who's the guy he he battle rapped in the final? Blanking on his name. I'm Al Biel. Your real name is Clarence. Are you Clarence? Are <laughs> no, you you're definitely not Clarence? You're um, your DNA. You're good, but you'll never be an upper echelon guy. Your peak isn't. I'm Sue Surf. My peak is crazy. That's what it is. His knowledge of battle rappers. It, it just, yeah, I don't know about yeah, it. Hey, he got it there. That's why I'm laughing. Yeah, your DNA though. You're a good guy. We're good. Are you Al Biel? <laughs> Stop saying his name, bro. <laughs> I don't want to disrespect him, but he sounds like Young M.A. Wow. Young M.A. doesn't sound too bad. No, but Al Biel sounds exactly kind like... Kind of like, we're being honest. High key. Relax, you're going to make this podcast a target. No, high key, that's why I didn't <laughs> want to say anything either. You're going to have goons pulling up through the nah, back. Al Biel's good. Al Biel's good. That's no disrespect. We're going to talk yeah, about specific not. teams in the NBA draft right now. One of the teams we're going to talk about are the Detroit Pistons. And in the draft, we all know they drafted Cade Cunningham with the number one overall pick. But they they also drafted Luka Garza. They also drafted Isaiah Livers, who's a good floor spacer for that team. And with the additions that Detroit made in the draft and in the offseason also acquiring Kelly Olenek, do you think that they will be a play-in or playoff team in the Eastern Conference next season? It's it's tough. Uh, You know... Let me start by saying I like the team. I like the direction they went in the draft. But, you know, Jeremy Grant, I think he's a really, really good player. Killian Hayes, he has a lot to prove in year two. Sadiq Bey, I'm, you know, a guy like that, you know he's going to continue what he's doing. Isaiah Stewart, he came onto the scene. He's good. Josh Jackson kind of revived his career out there in Detroit. But I think, you know, with teams like Toronto, the Bucks, Miami, you know, uh, Charlotte, they making some moves. Boston. Chicago making moves. Boston still having JB and JT. You know, I think it's going to be really, really tough to just automatically think Detroit's going to make a play, especially with a bunch of young guys. You know, I think they'll be fighting. I think it's going to be tough games when you go to Detroit. I don't think it's going to be no slouch games. But I think to say they're going to make the play-in, you know, it's hard. I think even last year, the 10 teams that made it, I think only Washington is the team that really decreased or declined. I think Indiana being healthy is going to help them. Charlotte, I think, improved. Not to mention, Toronto wasn't in the playoffs. They're going to be back with home games. They're going to be healthy. Chicago just made their moves. They're going to be good. So there's, that's two teams on top of that. So it's going to be tough. But I don't, in my personal view, I don't think Detroit is going to make the play-in or the playoffs. But I think they'll be right in the in the hunt fighting for a spot. I don't think they're playoff contenders either. Not a knock against any of the moves they made. I think that they definitely make strides for the future. That being said, like Riv mentioned, there's just too much talent right now in the East and, and the East going forward that I can't put them as a playoff contender going into next season. I still think that they need to surround Cade with players that fit his play style. And you'll only figure that out after watching him play this year. I, of course, I look for them to to facilitate the entire offense around Cade. Cade's going to be the main focal point of this team as good as Jeremy Grant has played, obviously he has to know that Cade's this generational type guy and they're going to try and build this team with Cade, not around Jeremy Grant for obvious reasons. But Jeremy Grant's definitely going to fit into this this system where they they have good players surrounding Cade. That's just a, a, a piece, uh, you know, the first piece to the to the bigger puzzle. But no, I, I don't expect him to be a playoff contender this season. But definitely, definitely strides for the future that I'm definitely considering in my future process of which teams are going to be among the east next year detroit will be a 30 to 35 win team Mm. 
because they made a bunch of good moves. I honestly love the Kelly Olenek accusation or acquisition. Acquisition. I think that he's an upgrade over Mason Plumlee because he can space the floor. In Houston, he played like a totally different guy. He was averaging 19 points and eight rebounds per game. And if I and he shot he he shoots thirty seven percent from three for his career, so he's going to be a good floor spacer. Will he be that same Kelly Olynyk in Detroit? No, I think he's gonna come back down earth and average his same old eleven points per game. Maybe he can crack fifteen. Who knows? Because Detroit is devoid of talent right now, or or great scores. Jeremy Grant went from thirteen to twenty four. Can Kelly Olenek go from 11 to 15? I, I think it's likely that he can. But Cade Cunningham in his first year is going to average 20 points, five rebounds, and five assists per game. He will win the Rookie of the Year. I firmly believe that. And you mentioned it. The Eastern Conference is one of the toughest conferences. I think it might be tougher than the West now. It's tougher than it's been in a, in a while. I can't agree with that, especially with what you're saying about potentially Memphis being a better team than Atlanta, and Atlanta was just the fifth seed. So I don't know if I can agree with that statement, but go ahead. For Detroit to make the play-in, they have to be better than these teams. Chicago, which probably won't happen because they just got DeRozan. Mm -hmm. Washington, I think they can be better than Washington. Sure. The Hornets, I think they can be neck and neck with him. Really? Yeah, I I think talent-wise... They are very similar. Charlotte is tough. And I like Dwayne, Dwayne Casey versus James Borrego. Oh, Dwayne. Dwayne Casey. For sure. Then they have to be better than the Raptors. I don't think that, I don't think that happens next year. And they have to be better than the Pacers. I don't think that happens next year either. I only see them being better than Washington and Charlotte. Because of that, I don't see them being a play-in team. And this is a testament to how good the Eastern Conference is. There are going to be teams that miss the playoffs next year in the East that are really damn good teams. And that has not happened in the East in how many years now? It's probably never. It hasn't hasn't happened since I was alive. Now it's potentially going to happen. I say the East is better than the West because in the West you have Sacramento. They're not going to be anything. You're saying like the depth, the East is deeper. Yeah, the East is by far deeper. You have Sacramento, Houston, even Houston, even though they have talent. They aren't. I don't think Houston is is as good as a team as Charlotte, mm-hmm. as Indiana, maybe even Washington. Okay, like, you I know see where you're going. So the East just has so much depth, and this is the first time where it's really a stacked conference. I think top to bottom, every team is really good outside of Orlando. Orlando is the only team that is like okay, that's going to be the worst team in the league, in the East at, at least. That's the only team that I really see is going to be the worst team. But every other team has a chance to be very, very competitive in the Eastern Conference. I'm interested to hear your take on what you said. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I agree with that that whole narrative of the East being better than the West. Especially after you said that you think the Grizzlies would have beat the Hawks or the Hawks. You know what I'm trying to say? I mean you the Memphis could, Grizzlies were an eighth seed, yes. Yeah, exactly. And but that's but the also, eighth seed in the West but compared also, to the fifth in the East. You're missing a major point. Jaron Jackson missed the entire year. Okay. If he was healthy the entire year, Memphis is probably a 5-4 seed. You said that even with Jaron Jackson being out. Whoa. No, I did not. We just had this conversation like an hour ago. No, I did not. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ah. Jaron Jackson played in the playoffs. You, But ah, you think there'd be a 5-6 seed? They could be. So who are they taking out? 
Because if you're going to say that, then you, what if the Warriors had clay Dame, all year? Dame's still on the on the Blazers. They're not going to be above the Trailblazers. Yeah, they can. The so Mavericks? Definitely can. The Mavericks? The Mavericks started out really slow to start the season. And they turned up, and they ended up five. Yeah, and if Memphis had Jaron Jackson the entire year, they could have definitely finished up there. That's a lot of teams like that, though. I'm just saying, you have but Atlanta. You can't you have take at, away the subtraction at, of Valanciunas also. Atlanta versus Memphis fully healthy. Atlanta Memphis, was hurt a lot this year, too, though. Yeah, they didn't have DeAndre Hunter. That's true. Anilo missed some time. A lot of the guys missed some time. That's true. So. They didn't have that continuity, but Atlanta... And they the, had to go the, through the whole coaching thing. We all know that the fifth seed in the West versus the fifth seed in the East, it's a much oh, the different it's, it's much different record wise. That's true. So then it only helps my point of the West. Well, the is West. Better no, than he's the saying East. the no, East is because the deeper. depth in the in the East is the West. Is we really I think we could right all, the West so is top if, heavy. If better. we go based off this last season, right? Seven, eight, nine. Lakers, Grizzlies, Warriors. Obviously, we don't expect. I mean, the, the why Lakers would we go off this past season? This is a new This is a new season with new talent. Talk about it now. Talk about the teams now. For example, the Spurs. Are the Spurs going to be better than any team in the East? No. Wait, any team? They'll be better than Orlando. They'll be better than Orlando. It could be better than Orlando. What about Sacramento? That's debatable. Is Sacramento... It could be. Who is is Sacramento better than... Talent-wise? Is Sacramento better than Washington? Yes. Debatable. You think they're better than Washington? I think so, 100%. Debatable. Are they better than Chicago? No. No. No Are they better than Indiana? No. No, no, they no. are not. If you no. said no to Chicago, you have to say Are they better than no. Toronto? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I think Chicago is better than Indiana Debatable. right now. Debatable. Are they better than Indiana? No. Are they better than Toronto? Nope. No. Or what about this other team in the Western Conference, OKC? They're not better than any of these teams in the East outside of be- Orlando. I think they're better than OKC. Sacramento? I think no, they're no, better. No, no. OKC is in the West, though. That's what about West versus sac- East. But about you just said sac- we talking about West versus East. OKC no, but now versus said, the yeah against the Sacramento against Sacramento. No, no, okay. no, no versus, we're talking about OKC versus East. You just switched on me real quick. There's only one team that you can definitively say the Sucks. Kings, OKC, and the Spurs are better than the East, and that's Orlando. Every other team. What about the Pistons? A, the Pistons with Jeremy Grant, Cade. Our first re- first season, you're with already Sadiq in. Bay, I mean, with Cade, I'm all the way in. I think he's a he's a star. I think he's definitely a star. I think as he's well. a star. Just, I don't know if I'm going right off rip. San Antonio has no star. OKC Shea is a star, but he was hurt last year. And outside of Shea, OKC doesn't have much to work with. You think and the West Timberwolves healthy? Absolutely. You think the West really is eleven team. deep? We didn't the mention East, the, Pel- the East is we didn't mention fourteen deep. Yeah, we didn't fourteen is strong. The East is fourteen deep. No, because you so Cavaliers. Wait, you are, did Cavaliers just call the East weak ex- in like, the group bro, chat. Yes, like that's an hour exactly. Ago. No, what Atlanta's I'm Atlanta's path was weak. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Atlanta's path was weak. It's like I'm Cavaliers. You're you're in on them over those teams that we that we mentioned. Are the Cavaliers a <laughs> thirteen deep? They're thirteen deep. I'm not, but the, I think the Cavs are better than the Spurs and OKC. Magic and the Pistons. Pistons, I'm in on. Magic, nobody's in on. I don't know. Rough. Wizards. Yeah, if they're getting Spencer Dinwiddie. Are they? Are they for sure getting Spencer Dinwiddie right no, now? Yeah. He's because if we're going there. off right now, which is what I mean, right now, even with Bill Kuzma, Harrell, and the guys they have, yikes! That's not bad of a. That's not that bad of a team. That that's they that's, have good depth. That's not a playoff team. No, but we're not talking about a playoff team. We're just talking about teams that are deep. Like, the Eastern Conference right now, these are the teams that didn't make the playoffs last year in the, in the Eastern Conference. Chicago, Cavs, Magic, Hornets, Raptors, Pacers. Now, just run off the teams in the West that didn't make the playoffs. 
the Kings, the Pelicans, Timberwolves. The Timberwolves. So that's three OKC. right there. That and the Warriors, right? Warriors, yeah, they did. Warriors make it. too. So probably the Warriors and the Tims are the only teams you can definitively say are good teams Pelican, on that list. Pelicans, I wouldn't say they're good, but they're definitely not and bad. The Spurs, Spurs aren't good to me. I know, I know the Spurs aren't good. To me. I'm talking about teams that didn't make the playoffs. And Timberwolves, also. Timber, I said the Timberwolves yeah. and the Warriors are for me the only Timberwolves good healthy so are Kings, a really good team. Your teams aren't good. Sean Holmes, De'Aaron Fox, Halliburton, it's Buddy about Heel, the coaching. For, it's about coaching for which them, which is fine. But I'm talking strictly talent. I mean, I mean we have to take into account the winning aspect of it as well. But well, then how can we be like well, you, you, you said Cavaliers are out, but then win. Pistons, are you going to give? But the Kings realistically, outside of the Aaron Fox, they're mid. Like Rashawn Holmes. He's good. No, he's very good. Rashawn Holmes is average. He's an average center in the league. I'm going to disagree. Is he, he better than Jared Allen? No, he is not. <laughs> I'm going to take him over Jared Allen. <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah. I'm taking him over Jared now Allen. Face yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yo. If no, you're taking okay, nice. whatever you're taking him with Jared Allen, that's a ridiculous take. Ridiculous. It is <laughs> it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. <laughs> Tell me. You just have to watch them play. Rashawn okay, Holmes is not Jared Allen. I mean, Jared Allen isn't a star though, but Rashawn Holmes is not as good as Jared Allen. Jared Allen. I'm gonna I'm gonna push on that for sure. <laughs> All right, whatever. A better defender, Jared Allen's a better better defender for sure. No, I'm not gonna take better that away rim from runner, me. better re- rebounder. That goes to Jared Allen. Easy, easy. What does Rashawn easy. Holmes do better than Jared? His Allen? offensive game is definitely better than Jared. What Allen's. does he do offensively? He's a better post player than he is. Post player, Rashawn Holmes doesn't post. We even got to the point where we're arguing. Rashawn Holmes, yeah, Holmes is ridiculous. Is That's on you because you're saying it's ridiculous, but it's it not is. ridiculous. Jared Allen is better than Rashawn Holmes. You watch all, all every single game, every single team, right? So you I clearly lit- don't know about Rashawn Holmes. I've literally done a film analysis. On Rashawn Holmes. Really? That's why I know about him. Then explain to me what he doesn't have. <laughs> he doesn't have an offensive game. He's a rim runner. Well, then how many points did he average this season? He averaged 11 per game. Really? Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> Check it out. Yo, you two are hilarious, bro. Yo, Jared Allen and Rashawn Holmes. Really? That's 14.2. He averaged 8.3 rebounds. He averaged 1.6 blocks. Solid. That's pretty good. Yeah, it is good. That's, That's all I'm solid. saying. <laughs> what did Jared Allen do? Miss almost half the season? <laughs> Jared Allen didn't miss almost half the season. He played for Cleveland. And how many games did he miss of that? Yeah. He played most of Cleveland's games. Let's see. If I could record, y'all, I really would. I mean, we're recording We're right recording here. right now. Not like on my phone, though. Like You guys are crazy, bro. <laughs> is he better than Jared? No, Jared Allen, not. 11.2. He averaged 10.4 rebounds, so a little under one. And he averaged the same amount of blocks. Jared Allen is a better defender than Rashawn Holmes. To say ridiculous. No, no. It I, is oh, ridiculous. I, I don't know, man. It is ridiculous. I don't know. You just have to watch them play to know. We need the fans on Apparently, this Apparently, right? You just have to watch them Apparently. play. And plus, look at Jared Allen's numbers with Cleveland versus Brooklyn, because that's the entire season stats. Let's see. Let's see it then. I hope you're a basketball reference. It really breaks that's, it down Oh, for what do you think I'm doing? Oh, perfect. He averaged 13.2. So even still, it was less than Rashawn Holmes. So with on the a gar- terrible team. What is Rashawn Holmes on? I, I, I agree, but he's not the star player. Jared Allen is not the star player on Cleveland. Agreed. You have you got me there. Garland sure. and Sexton are both better than him. But it, it, if I'm being honest, Rashawn Holmes, like, what can he do that Jared Allen does other than really defend? Apparently, even though they average the same amount of blocks, Rashawn Holmes can defend, but he's not as good as a defender as Jared Allen. Rashawn Holmes is six. So his nine. offensive game's a little bit better than his. So you think points per game means you're a better offensive player? I mean, I've watched Rashawn Holmes play. I know he can get a bucket. 
not he can't obviously shoot, but he has but a good you're, game you're down low. You're saying he's a better offensive player, and yeah, your, he, your, your basis for that is that because he averages more points per game. Doesn't doesn't that usually correlate? You average more uh, points, I, I you're a better score. I know where he's about to go with this one. So Colin Sexton, averaging 25 good, points per game. He's a good scorer. He's, a better, he's, he, a, he's bad, a better offense player than John Morant? Why would you say that? He averages more points. But come on, obviously one oh, Okay, so it, so points per but game, then, it doesn't mean a better offensive player. How did Jared Allen translate to wins, though? Because that's, that's obviously the difference in John Morant to Colin Sexton. John Morant's game translates to wins because he's a better playmaker. I mean, I can name you a bunch of scorers who average more points per game who aren't better scorers than these set but we're, players. We're, we're, com- we're comparing two centers whose games are very similar. One averages more points. Other averages like up like 0.8 more rebounds, and they average the same amount of blocks. Blocks also don't indicate you're a better shot blocker. These are all basic stats. These aren't advanced stats. You look into the PR, look into all the advanced analytics. Jared Allen beats Rashawn Holmes. Then pull up all of these things that you're talking about. I'm not going to argue the entire show about Rashawn Holmes versus Jared Allen. But I'm just saying, you watch Jared Allen play. He is a better defensive presence because he has more length to him. He's seven foot. Rashawn Holmes is still an athletic center as well. Yes, but he's not as good as Jared Allen. I, I mean, tomato, uh, tomato at this point. Yeah, yeah, he's agreed. not as good as Jared Allen. That's okay. On, you can look bro. at the film and realize that. I watch more basketball than you. Really? Yes, you, I do. You said, that, you said that Rashawn Holmes averaged 11 points. You were three points off. So apparently you don't watch as much as no, you play. move on. Well, looking at a stat, she doesn't mean I don't watch it. It just means I didn't pay attention well, to that's, how much but, he averaged I mean, per you, game. You, you apparently knew all this information on Rashawn Holmes. I'm just enlightening you didn't know as much as you knew. No, I didn't know how much he averaged per game. Which, but hey, in terms of watching the film, I do watch more basketball. Hey, than you. I don't know. You're making me so, doubt it. I mean, you could doubt it all you want. You're doesn't change. It. Doesn't change the reality of it. Maybe, man. Doesn't Maybe. change the reality of it. <laughs> Who knows? You're, you're doesn't change the reality of it. Let's go on to to to. Why about, you me? I don't. Why you you like this. I don't know. <laughs> the pound mean. So at the end of the day, I think the Eastern Conference is deeper than the Western Conference, because the East goes thirteen teams deep, especially going into next season with most of these teams being healthy. That's why I think the Eastern Conference is more deeper than the Western Conference, and why Jared Allen is better than Rashawn Holmes. And we could talk and in the comments down below on this full episode. If you're looking at yeah, this we debate, need to get that. we need to get Jared Allen versus Rashawn Holmes. Who is better? Because obviously Andrew goes by basic stats, and that's how he determines who's a better player than. Sorry, because you don't know the basic stats. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess, man, right? I guess, if, I guess, if you don't know the basics, how can I expect you so, to tell me the real? I guess basic analysis? stats are everything. So, can man. we agree that the West is top heavy, better than the East? The Western Conference top heavy is definitely better than the Eastern mm. Conference. There's yeah. more. Championship contenders yeah. in the Western okay. Conference. You have Phoenix. You have Lakers. You, I think Denver, even healthy, Clippers is a championship contender. Okay. Yeah, okay. So right. they're definitely more top-heavy. But in terms of those bottom teams, I think the East has more competitive bottom teams. Because they've been worse for longer. So it means they've had better picks for longer. So Great. they have been accumulating talent for a while now. Okay. Now on to the next topic. Jalen Green got drafted by the Houston Rockets. And this begs the question if he is the future of the Houston Rockets. Brian Shaw, G League Ignites, Ignites coach, said that he has Kobe Bryant and Paul George's mindset uh, and said he has a similar mindset, mindset I'm to cool both of those he players. Say, no, he, he has say, Paul George yeah, mindset? Yeah, I know. To combine Paul George and Kobe is... Yeah. yeah. Okay. What's Paul George's mindset? I'm not even sure, but Paul, <laughs> Brian Shaw did coach Paul George in Indiana. Mm. Oh, he so, was yeah, a so he's there. talking about Indiana PG. So he okay. knew about Paul George in Indiana, and he's coached Jalen Green closely, and he feels like Jalen Green has a lot of similarities to Paul George and Kobe Bryant. Do you think Jalen Green is going to be that franchise-changing player for Houston, 
or do you have doubts? Well, first of all, I love it. You know, I love PG. I know my vibe with Paul George, you Definitely. know, so for starters, if you got PG mindset and Kobe mindset, that's a great way to start. Um, I do think he has franchise uh, talent written all over. I think Houston made the right pick. They made the best pick they could have made. I think with James Harden leaving, Houston, that the bright lights, the fancy city, I think you need a guy like this, a guy with the swag, a guy with the persona, a guy with the aura around him. I think you need that. And I think Jalen Green has the talent in him. You know, he's a bona fide scorer. And he has a couple things he needs to work on, obviously. But bona fide scores in our league get praise. And, you know, For sure. bona fide scores in our leagues get the deals. They get the, the shoe deals, the commercials. And I think bringing that energy to Houston is going to bring it back. Now, is it going to translate on the court? It's going to be interesting to see. It depends on who they put around them. They still, I think need a, a dominant wing not a dominant wing but they still need that wing but i think so far still good they got their point guard they got their two guard they got their bigs they just need a wing but i think definitely he can definitely change the culture in houston change the franchise and this is great because harden just left you get a bona fide scorer in you're looking great you know the process looks good the rebuild looks good so i think they're doing good so far yeah and to backpack off what you're saying you lose harden and you get a poor man's harden and kpj who one obviously can score the basketball and facilitate the offense oh. uh, and I thought you were going to say something. I apologize. But then you bring in a guy in Jalen Green. Do I think he could change, the, you know, bring this franchise to, to to new heights or, you know, heights that they once reached with Harden? It's going to be tough because Harden had to run into Golden State, and that's always going to be something that people look back onto Harden and think, you know what, he couldn't get it done. And it's unfair to Jalen Green because he's not going to have to face a team like the Golden State Warriors. With no, we don't know. Very true. With with the way that this league's heading, who knows where where – we're just going to go in terms of stacking the deck and teams like that. But Jalen Green obviously has the complete offensive package. Only thing I look at is his assist numbers are kind of low. Obviously, he's not going to have to be the facilitator on this team because you have a guy in KPJ. But I would like to see him incorporate passing the ball a little bit so it's not as if a defense can just hone in on the fact that he's just a ball scorer and nothing else. I feel like he needs to improve in that aspect of the game. But obviously, when in terms of scoring the basketball, he's as good as it gets. Averaging 18 points in in the G League with with pro basketball players, I definitely think that he can bring the Rockets to the playoffs and and and, and when it comes into the future, obviously, because he's just that different type of talent. Jalen Green is a combination of Zach Levine and Bradley Beal, and when I watched this game the very first time, I instantly noticed a lot of Bradley Beal in his game. But the impressive thing about Jalen Green is that he's six foot six. Bradley Beal is six three. Zach Levine is six four. Jalen Green is 6'6", and he has insane hops, and he's just a bona fide scorer. He's a natural-born scorer. He's gifted in that department. I want to see Jalen Green develop his defense. I want to see him show effort on defense, and I think he has the ability to do so. And Steven Silas last year, he got put into an awkward situation with James Harden's departure, with Russell Westbrook's departure, with John Wall, with DeMarcus Cousins calling out James Harden. It was an awkward situation for Steven Silas. I think this year, a fresh start, getting Garuba, Shingun, Christopher, Green, is the start of a brand new core. I think Jalen Green can ha- can be the leading scorer in the NBA one day. Mm-hmm. I think he can average 25 to 29 points per game. That's how great he is at scoring. My one question, though, is, of course, defense. I also question if John Wall is going to stay in Houston next season. Is w- a player option? No, he's he's under contract. I would love for him to stay, though. And I know some Rockets fans are kind of iffy on the idea because they want the young guy to just go and grow 
and they don't want to, they don't want Wall to be any anywhere near them. But John Wall last year averaged 20 points per game, seven assists per game. He made it a really easy on Christian Wood, who Christian Wood right now needs a lob threat partner, needs somebody to pass in the ball. And John Wall, before his injury, was known as one of the best playmakers in the NBA. KPJ, he calls himself a point guard. I still have my doubts. I'm not sure if he's a true point guard. He's still a score first player. He doesn't look to pass first. John Wall will look to pass first. But I think this core of Wall, KPJ, Green, Tate, Wood, then off the bench, Shengun, Kenyon Martin Jr., Garuba. They also have DJ Augustine, who's probably going to be the backup point guard. They have a lot of good talent on this team. I don't see them competing for a playoff spot or a play-in spot this upcoming season because the talent and the top of the West is just insane. But this is a team who can grow together, and hopefully if these guys grow and reach their potential, they could be a very scary team down the road. So where do you, where would you see John? You see John Wall starting still? I sh- absolutely. Yeah. There's so nobody KPJ that's, off the bench? No, KPJ will start. Oh, so Jalen off the bench. No, no they will I all start. I think they're shade down. So Wall oh, so at the going, one, going, KPJ at the two. I think Wall, KPJ, Green, Green. Green can be the two or three. It doesn't really matter. And then I think at the four, you have st- you still have Jay Sean Tate. And at the five, you have Christian Wood. Small lineup. Okay. You think so? KPJ, 6'4". Jay Sean Tate, 6'5". Oh. Pretty sure. Yeah. PJ height. Yeah. Christian Wood, 6'11", 6'10". Jalen Green, 6'6". He could probably play the three. A bunch of 6'5 guys and then Christian Wood. Yeah, he's a tall dude. Unless they start Garuba. I don't see I wouldn't be opposed with that. Yeah, with that. Wood at the, the four or maybe Garuba at the four, Wood at the five, either or. They five. also just signed Daniel Tice. Why? For a three-year, $30 million contract, $36 million contract. I know, and you get Sangoon, Garuba, what the hell? Wood, now him. That's interesting. You gave him $12 million a year? I'm pretty sure that was his contract, yeah. For what? The, all right, whatever. He's um, a decent role player. Yeah, no, I get that mm-hmm. part, but it's just like mm-hmm. you just picked up Garuba, you just picked up Sangoon. I don't get the point. You have Christian Wood, you have Kenyon Martin, who kind of plays the four. You have Jason I was, Tate. I guess Garuba is more of a four. Dice is definitely a center. Yeah, but the direction of your players, you're looking like you're going to go small anyways. So it's like, I mean, I guess Daniel Tice, but three years? Yeah, it's a lot. I don't know. I think it was a good move because he's a good backup center. I think Shengun can can play either spot. He can play a backup five. He can be the backup four. I think Tice just gives him some stability and some depth because you don't want to solely rely on these rookies to come in right away. And contribute. I think we have to have some veterans. I think with Groove being limited offense, though, he's more suited for the five, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Okay. But I feel like because he can play or guard one through five, it allows him to play that. Well, that's what I think will be, right. be okay at the five. Team is really limited. Yeah. Eh, you know, you're making a good point. You're making a good point. I think he'll be smooth at the five. Yeah. You know? Okay. Like just, if he's just a rim runner. How tall is Groove? 6'10? He's 6'8. His wingspan okay. makes up. See, for that's it. what I'm saying. I don't know What's if he's. What's his can wingspan? Play? Like 7'3? Yep. Yeah, that's OD. But I still classify him as a four. I don't classify him as a five. I agree. And in, in small ball lineups, yeah, that's absolutely. what I was really thinking. Like, because yesterday Spain versus USA, they had him in a small ball lineup. He was guarding Bam Adebayo. But in terms of a full eighty-two game season, I think he's a four. He can play either position. I think I will have Wood at the four. Him at the five, because fours are more of the stretches. So I will have Wood stretch four. You have Garuba at the five. Yeah, Wood is taller. Okay. No, I get what you're saying. Garuba is a better you're defender. I don't know. They, have a, they, they could do a lot of things with that lineup. Definitely. It's, it's definitely going to be tricky. John Wall staying. I mean, it, it's definitely going to help the guys. With 44 mil. But what's his value if you really trade him, though? I don't think nothing. That's why I guess trading him. Because his contract, him. it's not even like he's just still a good player. 
And I think he'll help. Like I they think, can't trade his contract. Yeah, I think like a team like Boston could really use a guy like John Wall. But at the same time, forty-four million dollars, like you said, you couldn't trade him. Even if you did, him being injury prone, him having that big max contract, it's just like. And how many years is he locked until? Do you have that? Two years. Two years. Yeah. So Eighty-eight mil. Two yeah. years. I, I don't hate that. Keeping him on the squad. Might as well develop at this point. I don't think anybody's going to want to go to Houston at the moment, anyways. So. Uh, I, don't know. I, I just don't think I just don't think guys. anybody is going to sign John. I mean, trade for John Wall. I agree. Given his contract, given what they had to give up to even mm-hmm. get John Wall, it just doesn't make sense for any team unless a buyout occurs. And at that point, you're cap strapping yourself if you're Houston if you buy him out. So there's no reason to buy him out. Just play him, and he play. can help groom these young guys and be that veteran leadership in the locker room. Because a lot of young teams get lost when they don't have somebody that can be that presence, be that veteran presence on that team. That's what's happening in Sacramento right now. They have been in the same position every year because they don't have that veteran presence. We see a lot of these young teams get lost. They don't have those veterans on the team. And I think that's why John Wall, even guys like Christian Wood, Daniel Tice are important to Houston right now. Mm. Even Daniel House and Eric Gordon is still on the team. I think more it's more likely that Eric Eric Gordon gets dealt. I agree. Than John Wall. I think Eric Gordon is probably going to get dealt. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a tricky situation. Evan Mobley got drafted by Cleveland Cavaliers, and now the Cavaliers' starting five most likely is going to be Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. Some people have said that this is one of the better starting fives in the league that are under 25 because everybody in the starting lineup is under 24 damn near. And this begs a question. Where do you think the Cavaliers' young core ranks amongst the the top NBA young cores? Where would you rank it? And we're talking about strictly 25 and under. It really just depends on what you view their backcourt. You know what I'm saying? I think Mobley, obviously, he's not proven. Okora, we kind of... we st- people. A lot of people weren't high on Okora. And I think right now we've what we've seen from him is that he's a really good defensive player so far. Has a lot of room to grow. He's still a little raw on the offensive end, but he's a really good defensive player. Evan Mobley, we haven't seen. Jared Allen, I think we know what we're going to see, and we know what he is. Garland, he kind of broke out last year and kind of got in his groove as who he is. Colin Sexton, I think we kind of got the idea of what he's going to be. So, like, stacking it up, you know, we can go down the list. I think Atlanta, better. Memphis, better. I think they're, they fit more down with the Houston's and the Detroit's right now. I don't think they're up there with Atlanta, you know, Minnesota, Boston, even Phoenix. though Boston's not a lot, but JT and JB hold it down so much. The Pels, Phoenix, obviously, is at the top of the heat. Memphis, I think they're more down the line with, I think they're right under Charlotte with Houston, Detroit, the Knicks, because I think two, two of their guys are unproven in Okora and Mobley, and then Jared Allen and Colin Sexton, we know where they're going to be. I think Derek Garland is kind of the tricky one because we don't, we still have yet to see. Like, we've seen a little glimpse. He can be that scoring, playmaking type of guard, but he's still relatively raw in a sense, so we don't really know yet. So I think they definitely fall. They can fall into the top 10, but towards the end of the top 10 or creeping out the top 10. So so you have them right now just on the border of 10. Cracking at the door. Because with with them, Houston and Detroit, it's a wait-and-see process for their main guys. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Still a wait-and-see process. Charlotte... We kind of know what LaMelo's going to be. Mm-hmm. And P.J. Washington, we know he is. Miles Bridges, we know what he is. James Buckner, we're still waiting in the process. So I would put those guys at the wait and see. So they're right in there creeping. No, I'm with you. I have them right now in that 10 to 15 range. And this is all indicative of what 
Mobley can be. If Mobley can be better than that, no doubt, I think they've definitely creep into that top 10, especially when you have the bigs of Jared Allen and Mobley running that down low paint. It's going to be tough to score on them in that interior part. Now, you like you mentioned, you have Garland, you have Sexton. Okoro needs to show me something more offensively. Defensively, he, he's definitely a good piece, but at the same time, nine points a game rookie season. You know, you show me a little bit. I need to see some improvements before I can give you the credit of being, you know, a firm piece in this young core. Again, like I mentioned, if Mobley can be this comparable player to what pe- people think he is, like an AD type player, where I don't think that that's unreasonable expectation for him personally. But defensively, obviously, he's a strong force down low, and that's huge to, to pair with a guy with Jared Allen. And then offensively, that's what I need to see. I need to see how Colin Sexton and him are going to coexist in an offense. I expect Darius Garland to be the one to facilitate him in the offense a lot more than Darius than uh, excuse me than Colin Sexton, obviously because Sexton's more of the ball dominant, get his own shot off type of, of ball player. But if they're going to tra- translate that roster into wins, he needs to be more open minded in the sense of okay, I got guys that I can actually trust now, and then that's when I can start to truly give them their credit for their young core because as of right now, it's not translating to wins. Yeah. And with that, that's why I have guys like Charlotte over them because at least they're making some kind of noise in the East. The Pistons, I think I would take I would take Cleveland right now over them just because they have an overall better starting lineup. Obviously, Cade has the potential to be the best player on both teams, of course, but that it's a wait and see. Like I'm, I'm waiting and seeing on Mobley, so... Right now, I'm going to stick within the 10 to 15 range, but definitely, if Moby can be that piece, they definitely go into the top 10. Christian Wood is 25, right? I he think is. he's flat. The Cleveland Cavaliers have one of the best young starting lineups in the NBA. Detroit, their starting lineup is very young, but Jeremy Grant pushes that lineup over, but he's over 25 years old. He's 26, I think. He just got over. Okay. I think he's 27. Oh. He's 27. And that's why, to me, I think Cleveland is top 10. The only teams I have over them are Phoenix. They're number one. They just made the Western Conference Finals. Their entire young core is basically their starting lineup outside of Chris Paul. Memphis, you have to put them there with the way they've been drafting. Atlanta, Trey Young, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, their guys, Kevin Herter. They have a lot of guys. Minnesota, they haven't won, but whenever they have been healthy, they have won. With D'Lo, Cat are both all-star caliber players. Malik Beasley, I was high on him since he was in Denver. All he needed was an opportunity. Now he's averaging 20 points per game. Malik Beasley's a very good young player. Jared Culver hopefully can still develop into something. And also Jordan McLaughlin. You know, I know that if you're if you really watch McLaughlin. basketball, McLaughlin. McLaughlin. McLaughlin? Okay. Yeah. Jordan McLaughlin, if you watch Timberwolves basketball, he's one of the better backup point guards. He does really well per 36. How you don't name Anthony Edwards, bro? Anthony Edwards, too, of course. Yeah. Runner-up for Rookie of the Year. So they have a solid young core. Then you look at Boston and the Pelicans. Their young core has deficiencies because outside of their top two guys in Zion Ingram, Tatum, and Brown, their young core drops off tremendously. Pelicans, it's Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Jackson Hayes, Najee Marshall, and then with Boston, it's Payne Pritchard and Aaron Neesmith pretty much. And then the Hornets. I agree. Because they are more proven, you put them over Cleveland. But I'm putting Cleveland over Houston. I'm putting Cleveland over Detroit. because you I put think, them over the Knicks. Absolutely. Because when you talk about Cleveland versus Detroit, first off, Cade does have the potential to be better than the best player between both those teams. But you look at Darius Garland versus Killian Hayes. Garland has that matchup. 
you look at Sadiq Bey versus an Evan Mobley type of guy, I think Evan Mobley wins that matchup. You look, and then outside of those guys, that's really it, right? Because it's really Killian, Cade, Sadiq Bey, and then Isaiah Stewart. So Isaiah Stewart between Jared Allen, you have Jared Allen. Diallo so gave they, good minutes last season as well. Who? Himadu, Himadu Diallo. Yeah, he's a, he's a restricted free agent right now. Okay, okay. So Cleveland... That's why I would put them over Detroit and even Houston because Houston still had there they have a bunch of wait and see guys. The only guys that we have seen something from are Wood and KPJ and Jay Sean Tate. But I wouldn't even classify Jay Sean Tate in this conversation because he is about to turn twenty six years old. And that's why I'd put Cleveland at number eight because I think Evan Mobley he's going to be a game changer type of player. I think he's going to fit pretty well next to Jared Allen because he can switch one through five. And his offensive game is polished. I think he'll develop that three-point shot in his game. And I think Evan Mobley is going to be an all-star player. Let me ask you a question. What, what, what about the young core in Golden State? Jordan Poole, Kaminga, Moses Moody. James Wiseman. I wouldn't put them over Cleveland. You know what I'm saying? Where would you rank them in Outside general? the top ten. Because so like Wiseman, we don't know what he is yet. Agreed. And there's arguments between him versus Onyeka right now. We're Onyeka's not even good. sure if Onyeka, if he's going to be better than Onyeka. And then you look at Jordan Poole. He's good, but kind of like Kobe White, he's a spark plug off the bench. We still have to wait and see what he's going to become. Moses Moody and Kaminga are the key for their young yep. core. You're taking Houston's over Golden State? Absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, definitely. I would. I would it's just like, because with Cleveland, it's like, it's trick, like, like I said, the two guys, Okora and Mobley, really have a chance to really define this young core do you believe in okoro i don't mean to cut you off but i do okay so what do you think he could be i just off last season i was really high on him to gauge what he could be truthfully i was high on him coming out of uh, college Mm -hmm. you know i I was high on him and um it's what's the shining aspect of his game his defense his versatility for sure sure. absolutely like he he was guarding players like Kevin Durant and James Harden did from day one. Mm-hmm. You know, his defensive versatility, him being only 6'6", and being able to guard one through four is actually really, really great. Um, his ceiling, it's hard. To, it's really hard to say. I, I really don't know, you know, because it's like his offensive game coming out was so raw. Yeah. It's really hard to say what he can be, but he really has a lot of potential because he really works hard. His defense is already set in stone in year two, so... Mm-hmm. It, it's it's hard to say, but I think those two guys really are the key. I think Garland still has a lot of promise. I think Collins going to be what Collins is going to be, and same with Jared Allen. But those two guys really have a, a opportunity here to change the narrative of this young core. Okay. So it's 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 tough. Like I could have threw out teams like the Kings, but they only got Darren Fox and Halliburton, and Bagley hasn't proven anything, and that's really about it. So, Buddy? you know. But he's not young. He's 29. Really? Oh, my God. I forgot he was a That's senior not, when he came out. No, you're not right. 29. He turns 29. You're right. I completely got he four years in at Oklahoma. Not even four years. He was 24 coming out of uh, college. Just crazy. Yeah, but he's just, he was so dominant. You know? For real? He was really so, good in college. Yeah, I would like I said, it, it, that core, Cleveland, Detroit, Houston, is really a wait and see for me. Like I got to see what they show me this year because they have a lot of rookies that's carrying the weight for them. One of the more surprising picks in the NBA draft was the Raptors selecting Scotty Barnes with the fourth overall pick. And a lot of people thought it was going to be Jalen Suggs. Even Jonathan Kaminga was a hotter commodity coming out of the draft. And now that they have selected Scotty Barnes, do you think Toronto makes it back into the playoffs with this selection? 
or do you think it's a wait and see process? No, I think they were going to make the playoffs. You know, if I'm not uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they get their home games back this year. Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. So they get their home games back. They go home. I think they they're fully healthy. You know, they've kind of got their identity back. Scotty Barnes fits that identity. And I think him being the most NBA-ready guy, I think they kind of looked at that pick as like, we want a guy with high upside but that can also help us from day one. And I think Scotty being so elite defensively, being so versatile, being a playmaker, you know, I think he can come in in that lineup with Fred Van Vliet, OG, Pascal, Scotty, and whoever the five is. It's pretty, even if they want to play Scotty at the five, you know, and they could run a Van Vliet, Trent Jr., OG, Pascal, Scotty, lineup and that's still because Trent plays D2 so that's still a pretty solid defensive lineup and that's a offensively it's going to be tricky you know that like I always said when Kawhi left their problem was they didn't have a real go-to scorer for sure down the stretch and they still don't have that so it's going to be tricky offensively but a lot of teams you can you can make the playoffs being an elite defensive team definitely it's just offensively in the playoffs how but speaking from a regular season standpoint I think they were going to make the playoffs regardless. I think Scotty just only helps that because he is a playmaker. He can defend all five positions very well. And he has guys to learn from. Fred Van Vliet, OG, you know, Nick Nurse. You know, so these are some solid guys. So I think this is a good group of guys that he's walking to. It's a good group of situation. And I think Toronto being as a, you know, as one of those respected organizations, guys come to work and Scotty Barnes coming from Montverde, coming from FSU, he's kind of going to bring in that type of mentality, that type of work ethic. So I think this is going to be good for him. And I think Toronto is a lock to make the playoffs, in my opinion. I think they are a lock to make the playoffs. It's, I, I think it's not more so to Scotty Barnes. I think it's more so of them going back home. Scotty Barnes was definitely a, a, a solid pickup for them, especially for their ide- identity of their team. They want to be known as a defensive powerhouse, and that's definitely what they can be. I just think that the aspect of them going home, them actually not having to be away all 72, because that was last season, 72 games is definitely going to benefit them. They're, they have one of the best home court advantages. They're the only team in Canada. So obviously that benefits them in that sense. But Talking about Scotty Barnes, Scotty Barnes is definitely going to be an impact type player. I just don't know if it's going to be instant, right, an instant impact, given the fact that he needs to grow into his offensive game. If they're going to allow him to play that point forward position right off rip, then maybe then maybe they can speed up his development process in that sense. However, I just don't think, given the fact that they have a guy like Fred, they have a guy uh, in, in Trent that they're going to probably give minutes to. Pascal Siakam's obviously going to be most likely their number one scorer on their team. Although I believe if they want to make that next level, Federico has to be that guy that takes that next leap, averages around 21, 23 points, around that for them to really be a strong contender. But I don't I don't believe that personally. I don't think it'd be Fred. I think it'd be OG, if anything. Okay. And that's not a bad opinion either because OG is definitely a versatile scorer. He's got a very good shot to him. It's just the only thing I worry about OG is his consistency, whether the Raptors are going to be willing to give him the ball or not. And now that you don't have a you know a guy in Kyle Lowry there, maybe they want to find someone new in that. But then you don't want to get Scotty Barnes lost in that either, given the fact that you want him to develop into that that number four overall pick that you drafted him to be. Of course, his primary thing is going to be defense, obviously. But at the same time, you want him to be an offense, have any kind of presence offensively. So I do think that there'll be a playoff lock. I think that Scotty Barnes is going to be a few years in the making for him to be that player that they're looking for or that they had drafted him to be. 
But I think going into the next year, it's bigger than Scotty. I think that the home court advantage plays a factor. There are too many teams in the Eastern Conference called the Toronto Raptors, the, the Toronto Raptors playoff lock. The Brooklyn Nets will be the best team in the league next season if they are healthy. They're not making the playoffs over them. The Milwaukee Bucks, defending champions, they are in the playoffs. The Miami Heat getting Kyle Lowry, having Bam, Jimmy Butler, they are going to be in the playoffs. 76ers, even if they don't trade Ben Simmons, they will still be in the playoffs. Then you look at Boston with Tatum and Brown, fully healthy, not impacted by COVID because they were one of the teams that were severely impacted sure. by COVID. Atlanta, even though they will. Wilson's a lock? Boston's yes, a absolutely. Lock. Boston's a lock. You have Tatum and you have Brown, you will be in the playoffs. They struggled last year. Atlanta Hawks, even though they will be a first round exit next year, they'll still make the playoffs, even though they won't be they won't make it past the first round, but they'll still be in the playoffs. Right there is six teams, so that leaves two left. The New York Knicks just got better with Evan Fournier. We were the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, and Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock were starting for our team. RJ Barrett, third year leap is still up and coming. It's gonna come next year. You better be ready because when he takes that third year leap, he's going to surpass Cam Reddish and he's going to be on a different galaxy. He's already better than Cam Reddish. He's way better than Cam Reddish. It's not even a debate. So the Knicks with Evan Fournier, we needed a shot creator. Evan Fournier brings that. Last two years in Orlando, he's been averaging close to 20 points per game and been shooting close to 40% from three. We needed a guy like that. And then you look at these other teams, Indiana, fully healthy. They're not going to be a cakewalk. Chicago getting DeMar DeRozan. Having Zach Levine, having Vucevic, Vucevic and Lonzo Ball, they're not going to be a slouch either. So the Raptors, I think, will be in that mix. But it's going to be hard for them to get over these teams because they have made significant moves and have brought in proven players. Chicago brought in DeRozan. He's a proven player, an all-star guy, one of the best Raptors of all time. Indiana brought in a proven coach in Rick Carlisle. All these teams made major moves when you look at Toronto, they drafted Barnes, but they didn't sign anybody in free agency. They're about to trade Goran Dragic or buy him out. They're not even going to get what they're not even going to get him from the signing trade with Lowry. They're going to get Precious, and I think Precious is good. But Precious only averaged five points per game last year. He's not by any means proven, even though he's a good defender. He's not a proven player. Scotty Barnes defensively brings something special to Toronto. The ability to switch one through five. But in at FSU, he came off the bench. And that's okay. Because Leonard Hamilton has his guys come off come off the bench that first year. At Will came off the bench. Exactly. Patrick Williams, Devin Vassell. But Scotty Barnes is not a good offensive player right now. He has the tools to be that, but he's a transition fast break scorer at this moment in time. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Jalen Johnson in that aspect, even though he's Far more developed than Jalen Johnson. And that's more of a knock on Jalen Johnson being super raw. But Scotty Barnes, he's an okay passer, but he still has to grow into his offensive game. And I don't think that's going to happen his rookie season. I think OG Ananobi has to take that next leap. He has to average 20 points per game because last year, Fred Van Vliet was pushing it a little bit. He was shooting too much. He was jockeying at times. He was ball hogging because he had to be that scorer. Siakam... We know he can be the second, third option on the championship team, but when asked to be that first, he struggles being that. And off the bench, Malachi Flynn, are we counting on him? I think he's okay. Gary Gary Trent Jr., I think he's a really good player, but right now he's a spot-up shooter. He's not a guy who can create a shot at a consistent rate. 
So right now, Toronto has some holes to fill. First of all, they need to fill that center position right now. They need to bring back Ken Burch or sign somebody in free agency to fill that position up. But Toronto's going to be a great defensive team. But in terms of their offense, they might be a bottom 20 offense in the league next season. I'm, the reason why I wouldn't say Boston's a lock is because they struggled last year. And they, weren't, they were in the playing last year. And I don't think they significantly got better than that last year's team. I think they kind of got worse, losing Fournier, trading Kemba Walker. They just traded Moses Brown. I mean, they got Al Horford. That's good, but they haven't really. They're about to trade Marcus Smart, which I think is going to really. Are they going to trade Marcus Smart? It's Brad Stevens has talked about. He wants to trade Marcus really? Smart, and I think that's really going to put huge them. Mistake. That's going to put them in a really bad situation. I wouldn't. It's going to be a lot of JT JB carrying. I think if one guy goes down, it could really be wraps. I, I wouldn't say Boston's a lock yet. But I think Toronto is definitely going to be in that hunt just because of the fact that, like you said, they're going to be elite defensively. And you guys were a bottom 20 offense, and you were elite defensively, and you got in as a fourth seed. So I, I think Toronto can do it. I think they can play at that defensive level that you guys did and still be able to, you know, because I think they have a little bit better offensive players than you guys. So I think they can still be in the hunt. But like you said, you know, I can't can't forget the fact that teams got better. You know, the Bulls, Charlotte. Indiana's coming back healthy. I can't I can't put that aside. But I think Toronto with the experience, with the cognuity that they have, you know, those guys have been playing they want to ring together. They've mm-hmm. been playing together mm-hmm. for a long time. With Nick Nurse being their coach, I think I, it's it's safe for me to say that there'll be a lock for the but playoffs. That that core is gone. Kawhi Leonard left. Norman Powell left. Kyle Lowry left. Yeah, but Sergi Baca Siakam, left. OG still there. OG was injured the entire run. That is very true. It was just Fred and it was just Siakam. That is true. That's the only guys that are left. That entire core has left. Marcus Saul even left. They only have those two guys left. People question the Scotty Barnes pick so much because when Toronto picked Scotty Barnes, people questioned, what does this mean for OG? Mm-hmm. What does this mean for Siakam? Scotty Barnes is a six nine point guard. He's not going to be that forward. He can play point forward, but he's going to. They, they drafted him because they think he can play point guard, and he can play point guard, and that's his natural position. He's getting these comparisons to Giannis, but he's not Giannis. He's a more athletic Kyle Anderson. He's an Andre Iguodala Warriors Warriors Iguodala. He's a guy who's going to facilitate the offense. That's why for me, it's hard for me to kind of put a ceiling on Scotty because. He has all the physical tools to be this star player. But from a play style perspective, when you watch him play, he looks very much like an offensive initiator, role player type of guy, getting everybody to their spots, making sure the offense is running smooth. He's not so much thinking about him scoring. He's thinking about the team and how he can run the offense effectively. And maybe that was a knock knock on FSU because FSU was one of the slowest paced teams in college basketball. And the NBA, when you have the floor more spaced out, when you're not running as many plays or sets, he gets the ability to really be himself and free his offensive game. So maybe we'll see a different Scotty. But for me, I'm not sure if in his first year he's going to make enough of a, a big enough of an impact to put them at the top of the East or even as a playoff team. No, it's it's not it's not um, blind to say they can't be a six seed though. So you think they'd go over Atlanta, Milwaukee, Philly, the Nets, the Bucks? I think Atlanta, I think 
I don't I, think he's saying over them. I think those guys are definitely. No, I'm thinking, but you got to remember, a team can be over a top team, but other things happen. I think Miami's an injury away. You know, Jimmy Butler was out, and they were they, they struggled in the beginning. Jimmy had to True. come back and carry them. Backpack. Atlanta was dealing with a lot of injuries, and they still have those same players. That was more so due to COVID. What? Miami. Oh, but I'm saying it's still, you know what I'm saying? COVID is still here. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. Good point. But if COVID is still here. It's going to impact everyone. Of course. But if yeah. COVID is still here, that means that Toronto might not get that home court advantage. Agreed. If, that's, if that's the same hurt. thing happens next yeah, that's year. That's going to hurt again. them. And Florida just point. got hit with, um, I forgot. 20,000 yeah. cases. But I'm saying. I mean, right now they have a, there's a second wave of the, of the Rona but, going on. With Boston, you know, I, I feel like Boston's a Jalen Brown injury or JT injury away from completely falling. I, I Jalen Brown was out that, that series against the Nets and they still took a game. Obviously, I don't think that that's going to be indicative of their season if yeah, one of them goes I, I, out. But I, I they, they still showed the ability to beat a top team with yeah, just one of them. It's going to be tough. And they got Horford back. I'm going to wait and see on that. He was good at OK, in OKC. It's good. It's easy to be. We, we've seen that it's easy to be good in very bad situations. We just said it. Cole, Kelly Olenek was an 18 point per game gunner. Out in Houston, so it's it's easy to be good, and they're they're probably going to ask him in Boston to be that guy that you know has to guard and bead four times a year. Giannis four times a year. If that's his only job, though, that's a hard job. At it is age. a tough job. Very true. At his age, he was doing sure. that two three years ago. True. It's when now we're two three years later. You know, so it's 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 tough. I, let me let me let me backtrack. They're they're a play in lock. Let me say that. That's a better way to say it. Toronto is definitely a play in lock. I don't want to say play. That's a good, good statement. A, seventh and eighth seed, they play for a play. Okay, so Toronto is a play in lock. I'm going to say that better. Let me backtrack and say that better. So that's what I think. Another surprise pick within the top 10 was OKC drafting Josh Giddy. I thought this was a great pick. I've been vocal about me being super high on Josh Giddy. Looking at his game, he reminds me a lot of Joe Ingles. Also, he has Nicholas Batum, but. Watching his game more and watching this other player yesterday, I think he he's a taller Ricky Rubio. And Ricky Rubio, he had all this hype coming out of coming out of Spain because he was so great in FIBA. But I looked at his FIBA stats and his FIBA stats were pretty horrible. He hit his field goal percentage, his three point percentage, his points per game weren't all that. What was it? It was like thirty eight percent from the field. So giddy. Giddy's not thirty percent from the field. What is she like? 40? He's forty four percent from the field. Yeah, Giddy's a way better player than Rubio at, he just at that shot same age. A bad clip from three. Ricky and Rubio, facts. Ricky Rubio never averaged double digits overseas when he played for the Euroleague. So what was the hype? The hype was his FIBA run. He had a couple good games. Mm. Josh Giddy to me is a kind of like a six nine Rubio, but I think he's more polished at the same age. And Josh Giddy has a certain mindset and toughness to him. He has a he has a sort of he has an edge to him, and that's what I like the most. He averaged eleven points, seven rebounds, and seven assists in the NBL. And when you when you compare his stats to Lamelo, Lamelo in the NBL shot thirty seven percent from the field. Josh Giddy was at forty two percent. Lamelo twenty five percent from three. Josh Giddy was at twenty nine percent from three. Lamelo shot great in the NBA. Whether you want to attribute that to him just improving in the offseason or him being more comfortable with the NBA rims or whatever you want to attribute it to. I think Josh Giddy can do the same thing based on his work ethic. He's already a high IQ player. He's one of the best passers in this draft and he gets to his spots and he can finish with both hands around the basket. I think 
The question marks around Giddy are kind of uncalled for. People are drafting up these false scouting reports because they haven't seen him play. And between Kaminga, Bucknight, and Giddy, they're all three different players. Bucknight, you get the scoring, you don't get playmaking. With Kaminga, you just get a super raw, talented guy, but he might not pan out. With Giddy, you get the most NBA-ready prospect who played against pros, played well, and was the best player on his team, and it has the most potential outside of Kaminga. And that's why I think this was the right pick. You said a lot. <laughs> you said a lot. You know, like you you keep doing this whole Lamelo Giddy thing, and I'm I'm really I'm really getting a little bit annoyed that you keep doing that because you keep comparing them as if they're the same prospect when they're not. Why do you keep doing that? They're not the same prospect, but the shooting the shooting splits for Lamelo was a major concern in the NBL. Okay, it was a major concern. But I don't think, but and Josh Giddy shot better than Lamelo. Yes, but Josh, I, don't, I think the shooting splits are are not. That's not only Josh Giddy's only concern. You know, I think his frame is a concern. I think his defense is a concern. Lamelo's defense wasn't a concern. No, nah, I think it was. Yes, a, it was. No, I'm saying like okay, no, nah, okay. I think it was a concern. But I, but Lamelo was just such a different prospect in viewers' eyes that you keep compare. You keep doing this comparison. I like ah, it's it's very tough. Like. But nonetheless, Oklahoma City, I think they made the right pick in in the span of getting SGA some playmaking help. I think with SGA being at Oklahoma City, they offer he he is a lot of the, of the playmaking on his shoulders, a lot of the scoring on his shoulders, and he had to do a lot for that team. I think with Josh Giddy coming in, that relieves some of the pressure off him. So I think that helps. They they obviously want to help SGA, and they want to get this team in the winning. So I think that's good. My th- my thing is. I don't know where he's gonna play because you know they they picked up a lot of guards. They picked up Trey Mann. They got Giddy. They got Dortz. They got SGA. They got Theo Maladon. They got Ty Jerome. You know, I'm just throwing out guards that they have. You know, Josh Giddy being six eight, he can play the three. I don't think he's suited to play the three right now. I would probably slot him at the two. Have Dortz at the three. But like I said before, you know, getting SGA some playmaking help, he had to do so much for that team last year. And granted, they you know they it didn't translate to full wins, but they were sixteen and nineteen. Or thirteen to six, I forgot. But they were, you know, three games under five hundred. They were still very competitive with SGA doing most of the bulk, well, bulk of the work. So I think Josh Giddy coming in is going to really open up the court more because of his playmaking, and really is going to help this team and help SGA so where he can take plays off because he does so much for this team. So I think this was, you know, it was surprising for me, but I think looking at it, you know, going over it, looking at, it, I think it was a good pick because it does help my boy SGA. So this was a good pick. I like it. Lamelo is six seven one eighty. Josh Giddy, he just grew to 6'9". He's 6'9 now. He's 6'9", 205. Lamelo was never viewed as a small forward. Josh Giddy has been viewed as a small forward. That's why. That's my difference. Like when you like when Lamelo was coming out, we never viewed him. None of us never viewed him as a as a small forward. Absolutely. Everybody thought him as a guard. That's but why we I also frame. we also viewed Lamelo as you can slot him one through three on offense. Definitely, but I think you're 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 looking way too deep into the positions of it, uh-huh. because just because you are the three on paper doesn't mean you're guarding the three on that defense. True. That is true. There's many ways to hide, so I think That's you're looking true. way too deep into the positions. For example, you mentioned I slot Dort at the three and and the uh, Giddy at the two. That's really not relevant because regardless of whatever whatever position they're slotted in, Dort is going to guard the best player on the opposing team. 
regardless if the best player is a one or he's a three or Dort's going to guard the best player on that team. That's true. That's why I think Giddy. But if the best Giddy, player. Giddy right now is viewed as a point guard. But yeah. for me, he can play one through three. I can have him out there with Shea and, and Shea can. It, they're interchangeable because Shea can play the one or he can play the two. So it's really interchangeable. You can have Giddy at the one, Shea at the two, or Shea at the one, Giddy at the two, or Giddy at the three. It's interchangeable at this point. Yeah, but at the same time, you, you're looking at it like that, and I get that part, but really you do need positions because certain positions require a certain amount of strength or a certain guy to be at that. Like if Josh Giddy, like I said, I said Josh Giddy at two, Dorts at the three because a lot of threes are a lot more physical and a lot more stronger. I wouldn't want Josh Giddy guarding my three because he's not his frame. Even if even if the two, like Dorts, say for example, okay, perfect example. Say for example, they play Boston. JT and JB are the twos and the threes. Dorts can only guard one of them. You're going to have to put Giddy on one other guy. I would, who are you going to put him on? JT or JB? JB's stronger Probably. than JT. You probably put him on JB though. Yeah, but it's like he's I mean, gonna get that, he's gonna get bullied. Not really, because at that point, if you're OKC, you mm-hmm. say, okay, this is the matchup. We're putting Dort on one of them. Right. We we'll put Shea on the other. Shea. Yes. If if you think Giddy's that much of a liability on defense, you adjust and you put Shea yeah. on the other I mean, on the other guy. That's one of his weaknesses. So, so yeah. I mean, yeah, but Lamelo, out of out of NBL, his weakness was defense as well. His effort. Giddy's effort is not into question. And even at, at his frame, worse, though. even I if, if you're 6'9 and you're 205 pounds and you're only he's only 18 years old, he's the third youngest player drafted in the last five to six years. Okay. He's going to grow more into his body. He's only 18 years old. You say that and then we look at KD and he's still 6'11 and skinny. It's like, and then we look at Jared Allen. Like, you can't just assume. Jared Allen got bigger. Yeah, but I'm saying he's still a skinny frame. You can't just assume because he's 18, he's going to grow into this frame. So Lonzo Ball, from rookie year to now, he's oh, it happened to Lonzo. Bumped, no, he, he, he it happened up. to Lonzo. But I'm saying you can't assume Josh Giddey's going to do that. No, I can assume it because he's 18 years old. He's only a no, teenager. You can't still. assume because other it, not everybody's body works that way. You can't assume he's going to grow into that body. Yeah, but even with the frame, it doesn't really affect your strength. You can still be strong and still have a. A deceiving frame. That is true. That is true. All right. I guess I'll give my opinion here. Uh, I don't believe it was a reach. I feel as if, like you mentioned already, you can you can interchange SGA. You can entertain Giddy. I, I just don't want to reiterate what you guys were saying because you guys kept going back and forth. So I'll make it quick. A, a underrated part of his game is that he gets rebounds. He averaged over seven rebounds international. And... I went to go look at, you know, LaMelo's stats international compared to Giddy's. LaMelo averaged seven more points than him. You're 100% right. Shot worse than he did. That being said, the assist to rebound ratio was pretty similar. So where we, we you know, where I was kind of scrutinizing Giddy for his, his field percentage, he just took less shots. And that's where LaMelo definitely thrives. But in an offense where he's not going to need to be the focal point and be the primary scorer, the pick's understandable. The only where the only reason why it doesn't make sense to me is that you bring in Trey Mann. You drafted two point guards when you already have a point guard type player in SGA. You drafted one in Giddy. So now you're kind of losing me and and why you selected Giddy, especially when you have a guy like Dort who's already playing that small four position. 
my logic behind them drafting Giddy over a guy like Kaminga was that they have Dort there, who's a, a great defensive player who has shown flashes on offense. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So then you draft Trey Mann. Now you lose me in the in the thought process behind that. But with Giddy's game, it definitely has room for improvement. A 6'9 frame, to over 200-pound type player. He's definitely an athlete. It's just a matter of how is he going to evolve offensively. That's my only question about him. But for what he's going to do for this upcoming season, which is basically feed SGA for him to get better shots off, I like it a lot, especially with OKC being a rebuilding type team, a development type team. Giddy's going to benefit from that tremendously. I hated OKC picking Trey Mann. Yeah, I don't get it, Because I think Trey Mann has star potential, and he's not going to reach that with OKC. I think Trey Mann is going to be to OKC what Reggie Jackson was to them in the early 2010s. Okay. To that OKC team coming off the bench, being that spark plug. I think that's what Trey Mann is going to be. Like I said, I think Giddy can slot wherever one through three. He can be, he can slot in whichever position because he's a positionless player. And at six nine, if he does add more muscle, if he does in two three seasons get to two fifteen two twenty, we could be talking about a guy who can now play one through four. So the, Giddy has a lot of potential, and I'm really excited to see what his ceiling is going to be. Do you guys see a, a, a situation where they throw out a SGA, Trey Man, Dortz, Giddy lineup? Giddy play the four? That's interesting because I was thinking it, but I'm not too sure if his defensive liabilityness. You know what I'm trying to say? I mean, at that point, they would just be sacrificing offense for defense because Trey Mann isn't that good defensively yep, either. For sure. So it depends which which you know scheme they want to draw up. If they want to be known as an offensive type team, then that, then you go and you put Giddy at the four. But I'm more the type of person that of needs it. That too, and I'm more of a guy who wants an all around type game. I don't want one thing or the other. I'm not going to say we saw that with Houston because obviously, you know, they had a guy in P.J. Tucker, Clint Capella, but obviously the complete opposite spectrum. They had Harden and and uh, CP3, but I, I just don't want a repeat of that. You know mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And Orlando Magic had a questionable draft to a lot of people. The two picks they made was Jalen Suggs at the fifth pick and Franz Wagner at the eighth pick. Jalen Suggs averaged 14, 5, and 5, shot 50% from the field, and 33% from three. And Franz Wagner averaged 12, 6, and three and shot 34% from three. Orlando, to me, in this draft, went for pro-ready guys, guys who can contribute to winning right now and change the culture. They didn't want to go with the project-type player with Jonathan Kaminga. And I have to respect him for that because right now, Jalen Suggs, he does make them have a lot of guards. But Markel Foltz, coming off of a serious injury, ACL injury. We're not sure who he's going to be yet. RJ Hampton showed flashes, but he's more of a tweener. Markel Folt, I mean, Cole Anthony is a volume scorer, inefficient. Jalen Suggs is probably the best one out of Foltz, Cole, and RJ. And right now they need a franchise point guard. And that's why I think this Jalen Suggs pick, in hindsight, was a good pick because he can be that franchise point guard. As for Wagner, it's a little bit of a toss-up because even though you have Suggs, your two-guard position isn't filled. I don't think you're going to start Markel and Suggs or Suggs and Cole or Suggs and R.J. Hampton. I think that's going to be a little bit of an undersized backcourt. Right now, Gary Harris is a starter. I probably still would have went with the Moses Moody. Yeah, Terrence Ross too. I personally would have probably still went with the Moses Moody or James Bucknight at eight. 
But Franz Wagner, I think he's a role player at best. He doesn't have any star potential. He's, he's just going to be a solid role player for his career. He's a good defensive defender. He can space the floor. He can also play make a little bit. But their lineup just seems all over the place when you have Suggs, when you have Harris, when you have Isaac and Wagner who kind of play the same role as big fours, but they're not really threes. And then Mo Bamba and Wendell, who knows who wins that matchup, and they just signed Robin Lopez in free agency. This team just feels a little bit all over, all over the place, but they are in a rebuild, so that's bound to happen. And hopefully Franz Wagner shakes away this eighth overall pick curse because the eighth overall pick the past 10 years have been Jackson Hayes, Colin Sexton, Frank Nilakina, Marquise Chris, Stanley Johnson, Nick Stauskas, KCP, Terrence Ross, Brandon Knight, and Aminu. I've only heard two names there that... Hey, Brandon Knight was all right. He was all right, but he was just known for getting... Yeah, Kyrie did The only good players on his list are Colin Sexton, Terrence Ross, and KCP. I agree. So wait, KCP is good, but Brandon Knight's not? Yes. KCP's still in the league. Okay, that's fair. But KCP's still borderline. But the eighth overall pick, historically, is not a great pick. And hopefully, Franz Wagner can change that. I think drafting James... And Obi Toppin. Oh, Obi, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> I think drafting Jalen Suggs and James Bucknight would have secured your backcourt for the next five, ten years. I think that would have been the, the, the backcourt. You'd be like, all right, we have our backcourt. Let's focus on the front court. We've got our two guys that can be all-stars in this league together. We got our Damian Lillard, our CJ McCullum. We got our John Wall, our Bradley Bill, our stuff, our Clay. Like, we got our backcourt. High praise. You pick no, not saying they'll beat them. I'm just you. saying, yeah, I you got, got you. your I got you. you picked Franz Wagner. Franz, I'm sorry. Franz Wagner. Mm-hmm. Franz Wagner. You picked him. Not saying he's a bad player. I watched Michigan. He was a really good player. He's a really solid player. He's a jack of all trades. He does a little bit of everything. But Orlando, you're in a position where you need a star. You traded Vucevic, your last star. You, Tobias is gone. Victor Oladipo is gone. Aaron Gordon's gone. Evan Fournier is gone. The, 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 that core is gone. Mohamed Bamba was the last guy left. I think we already established what he's going to be. He hasn't panned out. Wendell Carter Jr., I'm I'm a Bulls fan. I'm telling you, he doesn't even play enough. And when he does play enough, he isn't that good. Is Okiki still running with them? He's or? all right. Okay. Okiki's all right. Like, that's a good player. Isaac's good, but he keeps getting, getting hurt. hurt. Yep. Markel Fultz keeps getting hurt. I feel like getting Jalen Suggs and James Bucknett would have established a, like a, 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 a ground point where you can start, figure out a plan, and then go about it. Right now, you picked Suggs, so you you got that plan. But do you? Because you have so many guards, and now you got Franz Wagner, and it's just like you're in the loophole right now. You don't know what to do. So I feel like getting Buck Knight at eight would have solidified a plan right now. I think Orlando's kind of in a loophole. They're kind of stuck in I don't know world with all those injuries to those guys. And mind you, Isaac is on extension. Fultz is on extension. So these guys are going to get paid for the next couple years. So I think they're kind of in a situation, and Cole is on a – uh, rookie deal so I think they're kind of in a situation where they're kind of just like trying to put all the pieces together but it's a bunch of jumbo pieces you know pieces that don't fit so they got to figure it out I like I, I like the draft that they had because I mentioned already earlier in the show you know Jalen Suggs fell into their lap Scotty Barnes you know shocking shocking the NBA universe going uh with the Raptors going Scotty Barnes excuse me it allowed Jalen Suggs to fall right into Magic's lap now uh, to go into what you said a little bit, you said that you know you want to establish the backcourt. I felt like by them going Jalen Suggs, they understand that they have this commitment to Markel Fultz. So I'm just going to assume 
that Markel Fultz is in their plan for the future, and they, they're going to put him alongside Jalen Suggs now too, which I, it doesn't sound too bad to me if Markel can actually stay on the court and actually continue to improve like he has when he's been on the court. Now, I look at this Franz Wagner pick. I under I understand the pick 100%. I would have gone a different way, as in I would have gone Sengun, maybe maybe Kai Jones. Uh, one of those two bigs, because I don't trust the bigs they currently have. I mentioned Okiki. I think he had some solid minutes down the stretch, but the Magic really weren't doing anything, and he was really just a highlight down the stretch of garbage time basketball for, the, for Orlando. So I'm not going to go into too much or, you know, look into that too much, given the fact yeah. that it was down the stretch. But I understand the Magic have needs, and 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 they believe that Franz Wagner, you know, a guy that can do a little bit of everything, may be that guy for them. I I, I agree with Joel. I think that he he is going to be a, a a solid role player. I think that he can be good at, at at that job for sure. I just think that there are other options. I just don't think that I would have gone all in on the double guard, given the fact that they have Fultz, they have a Cole Anthony, they have an R.J. Hampton. Uh, you mentioned Gary Harris as well. It's just too 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 crowded. Where even some people considered that Jalen Suggs wasn't the good pick there, which I I couldn't agree there. Honestly, I just felt like you know you go best available. But I understand not going double guard. Franz Wagner can do a little bit of everything. So we're, it's a big wait and see. But again, I I don't hate it. I think that they made some solid moves. It's a big development, a, a big developmental process with the Magic right now. So. They set themselves up for the pro- uh, for for the future pretty well, especially with Jalen Suggs being a potential corner piece of this franchise. I think Okiki starts next year. Right? I, I with agree. Jalen, I think probably their starting lineup is going to be Jalen Suggs, Gary Harris, Okiki, Isaac, and then Bamba or Wendell. Who knows who's well, going to win? Be back at the start of um, the season. He should. be. I think he got hurt early. He got hurt in the bubble. Oh, a torn ACL in the bubble. So he should be back. He should definitely he should be, be ready back. right now. Yeah, he should definitely be back. And what about Fultz? You don't think Fultz will start? Fultz got injured in the beginning of last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fultz could start. It could be that one, too. But I, I think for spacing purposes, having Suggs and Harris and Okiki Harris is, is another better. guy that gets hurt a lot, too. Yeah, and then I would rather start Terrence Ross. I know he's been their sixth man for years, but buck. I just think that you need to have some spacing on the floor. And with Markell and with Suggs, it's just not enough spacing. Markel is an inconsistent shooter. He can shoot, but he's inconsistent. Because of that, I think that they have to get the floor space for Suggs because Suggs is a downhill player. You need spacing for Suggs. You can't have it crowded. And that's what I would do if I was Orlando. But I think Okiki should start because last year he did show a lot of flashes. He averaged eight points, shot 36% from for three. Sure. He was a really good player for them. He can defend as well. I, and I think Franz Wagner comes off the bench and he becomes mm. that. So blue guy okay. off the bench. I don't want to cut you off just to give the information. No, I'm good. Fultz got hurt January 6th of 2020. So what was the injury? ACL. So he should be back around October, November. Something around that. I don't think that he'll be ready for the start particularly. I think they'll give him some That's time. That's crazy, man. They keep getting hurt. No, for sure. It's, it's tragic, truthfully. But I just think that, you know, you invested some money into him. Give him the time. You're not in a position to win anyway. Yeah. So why rush him back? Go ahead. I'm sorry. One of the teams that had a great draft were the Charlotte Hornets. They drafted JT Thor, James Bucknight, Kai Jones, even Scotty Lewis from Florida, who was a highly touted prospect coming out of high school. And this begs the question, is Michael Jordan finally proving himself as a good owner or talent evaluator or drafter? I'm not even sure if we 
credit Jordan because it's been Mitch Kupchak who's really been making these moves. But I guess we'll just give some credit to Jordan. Is Jordan finally redeeming himself? Since 17, these have been the Charlotte Hornets draft picks. Malik Monk, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, Cody Martin, Jalen McDaniels, LaMelo Ball, James Bucknight, Kai Jones, and J.T. Thor. That's way better than what Michael Jordan used to draft. Michael Jordan used to draft Buss, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Adam Morrison, Gerald Henderson. Cody Zeller. Frank Kaminsky. Cody Zeller, Frank Kaminsky. I think this is a major upgrade. So is he finally becoming a good owner? You know, I, I'm not going to go all the way above and say he's a good owner yet. You know, it's still a wait and see process, but he has turned it around. You know, getting LaMelo, which I think was really good. Getting P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges, even the Martin Twins who play considerably good rotational minutes and they're solid when they play. Devontae Graham, he found him. He played well for them. Malik Bunk, he started to turn around, but obviously he left, but he was starting to turn around late. I think he's starting, you know, in getting Gordon Hayward in free agency, who people laughed at. It was like, oh, why would you overpay? Gordon Hayward played significantly well. You know, I think being at that position right now where he's starting to really turn around, getting James Buck Knight, I think this is starting to look really good on Michael Jordan's team. I think he's starting to really understand where they are as a franchise. He's starting to understand what they have in their pieces. He's starting to understand what it like the draft process you know it took him a while he was a player at first he was failing a lot it was a bunch of really 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 stupid picks you know in hindsight and Michael Kidd Gilchrist was really looked at as a clear number two pick and then in hindsight obviously he was really terrible but I think right now you can start to give him that the kudos that he you know is starting to earn you can start to respect him like he's starting to become a more respected GM and I think that's good for him because at this point right now Charlotte is looking like they're going to be in the playing you know they're looking like they're going to be a young team on the rise the same hype Sacramento was getting a couple years ago when they was giving the Warriors hell that Steph Curry and Katie they was giving them I think Charlotte is going to start to get that love and start to be more in the playoff hunt and I think that's good I think Jordan definitely has taken strides in the right direction of course obviously we're seeing the Hornets compete for the play-in spot I don't believe they made it though, correct? They lost they to lost. they lost to the Pacers and then the Pacers. Play a lot. Yeah, he got so smoked. So before I can go all in to say that he's solidified himself as a good GM, I need to see it translate into postseason, you know, success in any sense of the word. I think he made it like one time, right? With Kemba? I think Kemba they were in eighth. But were they an eighth seed? They played Miami. They were in eighth. Which is no, he went uh, twice. They went yeah, they did go twice. Gave Miami hell, and then they got smoked out by LeBron. So, so, of course, making the playoffs is an accomplishment in and of itself. But at the same time, to be called, you know, to be good at your job, you need to have consistent success. And he's yet to have that. However, he's definitely made some solid picks. And I feel like LaMelo has put him in this position where people are finally starting to realize, you know what, maybe Michael is actually onto something, but... I think that's more so credit to to LaMelo Ball, truthfully. I mean, I think LaMelo Ball is an excellent basketball player. He he has shown this season that he is the true jack-of-all-trades. Of course, he can work a little bit on his defense, but at the same time, his shot was falling this season. He was attacking the basket with confidence. His his playmaking is is tremendous. His rebounding ability is tremendous. I feel like LaMelo Ball is the, is the reason why this is headed in the right direction. And you know what? You take LaMelo out of there, too. They definitely did have some wins, but I feel like that energy that LaMelo brought to them made Charlotte feel as if, you know, we can actually compete. And I give a little bit more credit to LaMelo for, for this season's success. 
just because of the spark that he gave them. But I'm not taking anything away from what Jordan's done. He's put pieces around uh, prior to even getting LaMelo on this squad and P.J. Washington, who I believe is a very up-and-coming, a very good up-and-coming player. I just think I need to see it on a more consistent basis. His offensive game, he's shown that he can give 40 in a night, but then the next night he can go and he drop a, a calm 12. I, I, I definitely see the potential in him. I just need to see it on a consistent basis. This James Buck night pick was excellent. I mean, you couldn't mess it up. He fell right into your lap there. It's an excellent selection by him, one of the best we mentioned in this draft. Buck Knight could be arguably the best offensive talent in this game, in, in this draft. So definitely credit to Michael Jordan, but I there's other aspects that go into it before I can really start to say, you know what, he's definitely he's a good GM. LaMelo Ball is a reason why Michael Jordan might be getting more recognition as a talent evaluator. But this begs a question. In the 2020 NBA draft, LaMelo Ball was a third overall pick because Golden State passed up on him and took James Wiseman. Let's flip it. If Charlotte had the second overall pick, do you think Jordan and the Hornets would have taken James Wiseman? Yes, absolutely. Why do you think that? I think because they needed a they needed a foundational star. Like they needed, I think we talked about it, they needed somebody that was going to make Charlotte pop. And James Wiseman was not that guy. So I think they would have went LaMelo regardless because of the aurora around his name. And 100%. Even though they've had Cody Zeller for years and needed a center, and they were locked at guards with Devontae and Terry Rozier. Yeah, I think they, they, they were thinking, we need something that's going to make Charlotte a destination, 100%. something that's going to make Charlotte shine. Because LaMelo could have gone to any team, any team, and he would have brought publicity there. Mm-hmm. And he just so happened to land in I think Charlotte. they would have went LaMelo regardless. That's interesting. You disagree? I think they, he might have went Wiseman. Say that one more time. I think he might have went Wiseman. I'm sorry. I'm thinking in the sense as if he went to three, that Wiseman just dropped to three. I'm sorry. No, no. If Charlotte had the second overall pick and LaMelo and Wiseman are on the board, do you think the Hornets still take LaMelo? Oh, that's a different question in my I'm not, opinion. I'm not, that was my same Okay, answer. no. I, I don't know. I think he, he leans best available, and he thinks that Wiseman's best available because people were thinking that Wiseman could be the number one pick in that draft. Personally, I thought that the Warriors should have. Minnesota never thought that. But it was in talks prior to, to that college season that Wiseman was going to be the number one pick. He ends up getting suspended, not being eligible to play. Of course, that plays a factor into his draft stock, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, but with them having Cat, I don't even think it was in Minnesota's direction. Very, very true. So, he was no, the, but he was he the he number one number prospect. prospect. Correct. Oh, yeah, That's, yeah, yes. for sure. So, in my opinion, I, I, at the draft, I said, you need to draft LaMelo Ball. Clay Thompson just went out. God forbid you have his replacement right here ready for you. They end up leaning Wiseman. Like you asked, do I think Jordan would have went Wiseman? I believe so. The, with, with the hype behind Wiseman prior to the draft, people weren't mad at... at at Golden State going Wiseman. They thought it was a good pick. Hindsight, people have been bashing Wiseman. They want him traded already. He's a young talent. And I I, I do think that Jordan might have gone LaMelo. Uh, excuse me, he might have gone Wiseman. And I think that LaMelo has brought up Michael Jordan's name and saved him to a degree, truthfully. Why are you looking at me? Definitely I'm as an owner. To you guys. As, yeah. I, don't, as I, don't, owner. I don't know because he picked, P, you know, P.J. Washington was before him. Miles Bridges was before him. But also, Miles Bridges was traded, and the original pick was Shea. Yeah, that sucks. And that's rough. That sucks. Nonetheless, I'm not saying Miles Bridges is a bad player or nothing like that, but, you know, he's made, even with the LaMelo thing, he's, you know, he got Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier turned out good. He and got Terry Rozier. Monk over. Yeah, that was, now, I have a question. Know, those guys. Was Jordan the GM in 2011? 
I mean, he's been the owner this entire time. So he traded away Tobias Harris. That's another name that he traded away. He he kept Kemba Walker. No, we know he was garbage yeah. in the beginning. We know he's that. Just, he's just made a lot of questionable moves. I feel as if LaMelo, he lucked out in that sense. To be fair, if he, you think if they get SGA, I don't think they get a top three pick. With this lottery now, maybe they still do. That's a good. That's a good point. The Pelicans, because they weren't supposed to get it last year. Okay, say for example they get two and they have SGA. I don't even think they go Lamelo regardless. Even if they get three, possibly it, it really depends though. SGA playing the two, Lamelo playing the one, that could definitely work. But you you just the, said. But uh, wait, wait. You said Lamelo playing the one, SGA playing the two. You just said Devonte and and what's the name? Rozier had it locked, right? So plug out one of the. If you think they wasn't going to pick LaMelo with those two locked, what makes you think they was going to pick LaMelo with SGA and Devontae locked? Because I think when you have a prospect like Wiseman who's seven foot, who looks the way he looks, who has an NBA-ready body already, yep. Michael Jordan might have been fascinated by that. I agree. No, I'm saying you said they wouldn't have picked LaMelo with Devontae because Devontae and Rozier was locked in. Depending on who's there on the board. So I'm saying put both of them on the board. They have SGA, though. You think they would have went LaMelo? If they have if Wiseman's on the board, yeah, I think they probably go Wiseman. I don't know, bro. Wiseman, because Charlie Cody wasn't Zeller, thinking Cody, about Wiseman. Cody at all. Zeller's been their center for years. Yeah, but Devontae wasn't a sort of like they knew Devontae wasn't a starter, and Charlotte wasn't thinking about Wiseman at all, like at all. You don't think so? I don't know. I got to check. The Even going to I think given the fact that Lamelo came in, it made the decision a lot easier. But that last season. Devontae was balling. Agreed. LaMelo comes in, obviously, yeah. he takes the playtime away a from him. That's a good-ass question. No, really ve- good very question. good, but I, I do believe he goes Wiseman. And I think that LaMelo has been— I don't know, because the, the, the only playing three games really pushed people away. Definitely. It took Golden State a while to realize they wanted Wiseman. So. I didn't think they wanted Wiseman. It was a lot of smokescreen. You know, them might take in LaMelo. So I don't, I don't know. That's a, uh, yeah. Now on to the last topic of this show. The worst pick of the draft— was by the San Antonio Spurs selecting Josh Primo with the 12th overall pick. And this begs the question, are the Spurs an overrated franchise when it comes to evaluating talent and selecting in the draft? Since 2014, these have been their first-round picks. Kyle Anderson, Nikola Militonovov, DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, Lucas Amanich, Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, Josh Primo. Their best pick has been DeJounte Murray in the first round. And DeJounte Murray is a good player, but they have not drafted an all-star since 2014 in the first round. They have also not picked in the highest of spots as well. Wasn't that a trade too? No, they drafted DeJounte. What was the George Hill trade? No, it's about for Kawhi. George Hill was the the George Hill trade. Yeah, Mm, that was in 2013, I believe, or 2012. One of those. So they didn't even draft Kawhi, right? They drafted him. They did draft him. Okay. But the thing about it is that if you look at the Spurs draft history in the past 20 years, the only players that they have drafted in the first round that have became all-stars have been Tony Parker and Kawhi Leonard, which means that in those in that 18-year window, they have not drafted any all-star. And this is a team that gets a lot of credit for scouting. But in reality, I think they're overrated because... Tim Duncan is really the reason their franchise got saved when they got the number one overall pick and they lucked out because David Robinson was hurt. That won in a championship. Tony Parker obviously was a great find. Manu Ginobili also in the second round. That really set up their franchise for success in a a matter that 
whatever guys you surround around that big three, We're the be team successful. will still be successful. They didn't have to draft well. And then Kawhi Leonard, they made that pick, but I think Kawhi Leonard becoming good was more him. in part to him just having a legendary work ethic more so than, than you know their development because ever since drafting Kawhi, they have tried to draft these athletic guys like Lonnie Walker. He hasn't panned out. Devin Vassell, we'll see what he becomes. Kyle Anderson, out of UCLA, he was good, and he's turned into an okay NBA player, but he hasn't turned into he, – he didn't turn into that with the Spurs. He turned into that – in Memphis, mm-hmm. DeJounte Murray, Derek White is okay. He's average. I mean, Keldon Johnson averaged 12 points per game last year. I mean, these guys, I feel like none of them stand out. And Josh Primo might be another one of those guys who probably is just a 3 and D player in the NBA. I think which everything you just told me basically said the Spurs know how to draft good players. You know, just solid, good guys who can start in the league or come off the bench. You know, DeJounte Murray's a good player. Derek Wright's a good player. Kelvin Johnson's becoming a nice, solid player. Devin Vassell, I think he's going to be a nice, solid player. But I think a lot of this is a testament to Greg Popovich's stubbornness. You know, I think over the years, the last few years, he's been very stubborn with playing his young players, and he's been very stubborn in trying to maintain that playoff route. And I think, like you said, the Spurs developing team hasn't been great. You know, a lot of these guys haven't panned out to be stars. You know, they've kind of been in a in a situation where they're just stuck in the middle. And I think with this draft, they could have, you know, maybe made a push for an all-star or maybe made some noise, maybe. But then you go out and reach for a Josh Primo. And I, and now if he turns out to be a star, obviously we're going to look like idiots. But and even then, it, you picking that, you were just guessing. Same thing with Kawhi. You picking him, him becoming a legendary, you know, a legendary star. That's more to Kawhi than anything. You guys didn't know he was going to be this guy. He didn't know he was going to be one of the best two-way players of all time. He didn't expect that. So I think, like you said, the development team in in San Antonio needs to be worked up. They need to be fixed up because right now they're they're trending towards lottery. And if they keep picking picks like this, they're never going to get back to that Spurs legendary, like that Spurs dynasty that we know them for being a team that's winning 56 games making the playoffs consistent consistently. It's it's not going to get to that point unless they figure out how to draft. Also in that before you go, That's also right, in that Kawhi trade, instead of having the hindsight of, okay, we need to blow it up now, they got back DeRozan who gave them some good seasons, but it was just a lateral move. When they could have gotten back Jaka Pertle and OG Ananobi mm. and now had OG as their centerpiece cornerstone player who had a lot of similarities to Kawhi coming out of college. We don't even know if they would have developed them right. I feel like the tough thing here is that these draft picks, aside from obviously these last two years, they're not amazing draft picks. Even these last two years, 11 and 12, of course there's teams that hit, and and San Antonio has been known for hitting, but it's tough to hit on 19, 18, 19. I think that's a testament to them trying to stay competitive when they don't have the pieces. I 100% agree with that. They're inability to accept we are not a championship contender and we're just going to go out every single night and try to win. I respect that more than I respect the team that's tanking like a Philadelphia did. It worked out for them, of course. They got Joel Embiid. They got Ben Simmons. Whatever you want to say about him. They got very good pieces by being bad. They refused to do that. They they trusted their draft process and they allowed themselves to stay where they were and and continue to, to play the hardest basketball that they possibly could. And it just put them in that awkward position, like you mentioned, where they're not in a great draft position, but they're not in a bad draft position. 
and it's tough to consistently keep drafting good players there. And, and you're 100 percent right. The, these players that they li- that you listed are not great players. Lonnie Walker never really panned out to what people thought he would be. He's an athletic basketball player at this point. That's just what he is. Then you look at a guy like Dejounte Murray. Dejounte Murray is 100 percent the best player that they've drafted over these last few years, and. He, pro- he provides a, a, lot, a good all-around game, but his offensive game is not one that's going to put them over the top. So, of course, it's not one that you look at and you just think, oh, home run pick, even though he's a solid player. Again, it's tough to consistently draft home run guys in the middle of the pack. It rarely happens. Once they realize, you know what, we're not a good team and we're going to stop competing and we're going to try and, and drop into that six you know, that four to four to eight range draft picks, that's when I'll start to really criticize their draft process. Because name another team really outside of San Antonio that has hit on, on guys late in the draft outside of the Bulls in the nineties. It really hasn't happened like that. Toronto. Tor- you know what? That's a very that's a very good one for sure. <laughs> that, but other Milwaukee than- too. Middleton well, they they got the Giannis for really, sure. but Gian- Middleton Giannis was, a lick. Middleton Middleton was in the second round Detroit. and that's their core right there. But Memphis, I, Memphis too. Dylan Brooks. Ah, but Ja was Desmond two. Bain. Ja, uh, uh, Jaron was four, but wasn't Dylan he? Brooks, yeah, Desmond Bain. But that's really their core. Ja and Jaron. That's two and four right there. I don't even think Mike Conley wasn't a high pick. He was a high pick. What pick was he? He was a fifth pick. Oh really? Yeah. He was that high. I'm just going yeah. based off. Con- what draft was that? Off real contenders. I forgot, but he was Yo, that what high. What the really? Yeah, he what was. name are you guys talking about? I'm sorry, Mike Conley. Mike he gives me such a late lottery guy. No, no he, he was, was early. I think he was like pick. Yeah, he was. Wow. He gives me like 12th, 13th pick. Because he's a small dude, but at the same he's time. He's just regular. Yeah, he's, ta- he's talented. He's been talented. That's crazy. Okay. I thought, but you guys awful. understand what I'm trying to say? I'm not trying to oh, keep yeah, reiterating myself. It's just that it's con- it's it's very rare you see someone consistently hit. And, I mean, I think they're, NBA. we're, we're going to see them have a top 10 pick. Oh, yeah. I think it's coming sooner rather than later. Five, next year. I think they need to do that or else they're going to be caught in this continuous cycle and not get any better. They, when they realize that they weren't that good, they were the first pick in the draft. They are the reason why the draft lottery exists. No, they weren't exists. that good because D-Rob didn't play. Very true, but they're the reason the draft lottery exists. Because of Tim, because they tanked for Tim Duncan, the lottery exists. So, Is that true, though? Because Detroit I, tanked for Grant Hill. That was... As they said Isaiah. Oh, yeah. But I'm almost 100%. You're probably I'm, right. I'm, pre- probably I'm, right. I'm pretty positive. I'm saying they weren't the first team to do it, though. I, no, they no, sat no. Isaiah for a season and The fact for that Graham. they won the championship that first year was what made the NBA notice, all right, if, yeah. we, don't, if we don't put a stop to this now, teams are just not going to want to play and just sit all their guys and try and get this number one pick. It's going to make basketball not entertaining. Mm. It's like okay. you want to see competitiveness throughout the entirety, and they haven't done the tanking thing since then. Understandable. They didn't need to. But now they need to understand we're not that same team anymore. We don't have a Tim Duncan anymore. And we need to figure it out soon. The Spurs signed Doug McDermott and Zach Collins in this emergency. Yikes. Their starting lineup next year is going to be DeJounte Murray, Derek White, or Devin Vassell, Doug McDermott, Keldon Johnson, and Jakob Pertle. Is this going to be the worst team in the NBA? Arguably. Them, Orlando, probably the Kings. Houston will be fighting for that spot. I think spot. Kings will be worse than them. No, I'm saying they'll be fighting for that spot. You know how teams be. They could be worse than what they really are. I think are. it's between the Spurs, Orlando, and that's it. Hmm. I'm just not going to doubt Pop. He'll find a way to make them a 
10, 11 seed. Yeah, it'll, it's like, just going to happen inevitably. They're going to win some games some, for no they, reason. They refuse to quit, and that's just been their MO for years. Until they show me that they're going to tank, I'm not going to say that they're going to be bad. I think the Spurs will be a bottom three team in the NBA next that's, season. When's the last time that's happened? Tim Duncan. <laughs> that's crazy. Tim Duncan. And this is going to do an it for this episode of the Pick Aside Podcast, episode 102. This was our NBA Draft Recap Show. Our next show is going to be the free agency show. You might have these special guests lined up as well. It's going to be a so great show. So stay tuned for that. Hope you don't come. You can find us on Instagram and on TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast and on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod. Thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you next time.